Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Welcome to Coco Talk, episode 261. It's seven days to Coco Fair. Have you booked a hotel yet? Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Almost got there. Me. Hello. We going need Samuel that, Gimes for that. Yeah. We're going for that quartet sound. Yes. Uh, let me check off the list that I did that. Okay. Well, let's see. I think everybody knows everybody here. I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Ron Delvo to block. Run the outro. And remember, we get uh, new viewers so occasionally, so we should introduce anybody, everybody anyway. We do. I like Ken for the middle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I invited some to watch today that I was commenting on their YouTube videos, which will come up in the news. So, Ooh. Well, let's just oh. make it fast. Well, hey. they're, they're, they're going to wonder what the heck you got them into. All right, hi, I'm Mark, see. and I'm in the upper right hand or upper left hand corner. Back to you, Mark B. Well, hi, Mark. I'm in the, I'm in the middle here, uh, broadcasting and uh, trying not to be the host today. 
next over, we got uh, Patrick Euland. Yeah, I'll take a corner. I'll take the corner. You got plenty of keyboards? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's good. All right. Next over, we got Ron Delvo. Hello. You in the garage today? Yep, absolutely. Okay. And in in the middle of the panel, Ken Waters. Center Square. There, that's Game on challenge, Center Square. And next up, Jason Reichard. And you've got what with you today? I've got Diet Dr. Pepper. I've got my Mark Overhoser style uh, uh, optical apparatus. And I've got one week until Cocoa Fest. And I'm excited to see everybody at Cocoa Fest. I've got stuff... I've got stuff being made. I will have I will have I will have dingoes that haven't eaten any babies at Cocoa Fest. Cool. All right. Next up, uh, the man with the news, L. Curtis Boyle. Hello, everyone, uh, and thanks to Mark Oberholzer for covering for me for presenting the news last week. Yeah, we I didn't give him a lot of notice on that. <laughs> yeah, like four and a half minutes. It's like here's the list. Here, I've had it. I, I tried giving it out ahead of time. I let everybody know I wasn't going to be around. But well, and, they basically asked me, "Do you have access to the Dragon Group on Facebook?" Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you're it. Oh, okay. I, I think Thanks. the main question is, why aren't the rest of you on the Dragon Group on Facebook? Come on, guys. I am on the Dragon Group on Facebook. I just, they rejected uh, my email because it has Canadian in it. No, they don't. Because I'm Canadian. I've been on there for years. Yeah, but I tried to join, and it said that I didn't have a valid email address. Canadian retro things. <laughs> I'll talk to them then. All right, next over we got Simon Jonasson. Hey guys. Hey, thanks for coming in. Uh, last but not least, we have Exile in Paradise. Bingo, Mr. Wait, Allen. Is that is this that game? Howdy, howdy, everyone. Okay. Let's see. Panel Another check mark. Done. Yep. Another <laughs> check mark. All right. Anything in the uh, project updates? Anything in project updates that people don't want to hold on to it to the fest to present it to you know first time yeah. public at the show? Here's a sad one. I found my Coco T-shirt and I was going. Hey, wear I remember it. that one. But no, no, I'm not going to wear it. <laughs> it doesn't fit anymore, like most of my Rainbow Fest ones don't either. When I try to wear them now, it looks like a tank top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that that open, exposed midriff thing going on yep. there. Not so cute. Rage. <laughs> yeah, if you enjoy hairy navels, they're probably fun. But otherwise, no. I think I, I think I went to high school with a hairy navel. Could be a bar drink too. I'm not sure. Oh, I I, I can I do have an acquisition. It's kind of hard to see here, but I did I did get a new I did get a new chair. So like the old chair, so the old chair was uh, squeaky. So this one doesn't squeak. So that's uh, that's my only acquisition right now. Oh, then I'll have things at Coco Fest, and there goes there goes Rocky. Hi, Rocky. What are you doing? Oh, way to go, Sloopy! You took me out of the center square. Oh, we're out of Hollywood Squares mode. Oh, don't step on the keyboard, fuzzball. Here. Well, my acquisition was two, two two yards of foam rubber to pack for Coco Fest. Well done. That's a nice dense stuff. Yeah. Oh, it so. looks like we have a special guest. <laughs> hmm. oh, my mom see. says I'm special. And my bus think, driver says I'm special. I think we're being pranked by Stevie Lookalike. 
I don't know. Look Stevie at the lighting. It's a Deep fake. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's, he's glowing. So, so Curtis is here this week, so there's no chance we're going to get off easy with a two-and-a-half-hour episode. Is that what we're going to realize today? Well, also think- we don't have any project updates either. <laughs> I figure we just live stream the news up until the show itself. Is that good with everybody here? 24-7. Ken will my driving habits a lot. No, better not do that. Never mind. The Coco News Network. It just occurred to me because I was talking to you guys for an hour before the show and it never occurred to me. We should have talked about what is our plan for streaming during Coco Fest. And since I'm 99% sure I'm not going to be there, I will probably just be streaming it for you guys. So just get a laptop with Zoom wherever you need it to be and let me know and I will start the streams here uh, as as the weekend goes. That's that's plan A. And if I somehow pull a Hail Mary and get there, we'll figure out plan B. Are okay. you gonna are you gonna arrive via hot air balloon? Is that is that what we're going for? Um, you know, flaming that, zeppelin. I was shooting for. I was thinking it was maybe trying an underground railroad too, but I, you know, digging the tunnels takes time. So, what about what about a, what about a couple of weather balloons and a and a and a lawn chair? Trying with a sticky elevator. Is he gonna? I mean, you're, I you're, guess. I guess You're one question, though, is is who's going to have uh, laptops that they can leave, you know, for eight hours, 10 hours streaming continuously versus they needed for something at the show? Hmm. How, about, uh, someone give me, how about someone get me some handcuffs in a mailbag and I'll drive down to Florida and kidnap him? <laughs> okay, pass the hat for Sloopy. <laughs> Hitch hit a ride on a rocket. Yeah, Florida's on, Florida's on the way from... Uh, from where you're at that's just a just yeah a sort short, of just a short shortcut yeah especially yeah, considering tasman's already asked me to come and get him in uh georgia <laughs> yeah i'll, I'll just uh, seriously yeah no he wasn't being serious i hope not that's like either that or he didn't know where you were out of one your of way two. oh no he knew he he told me he was joking because i was like well where do you live and he's like oh georgia and i'm like that would literally 20 miles under double my round trip time. <laughs> right, 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 right. <clears throat> yeah, we were talking about possibly carpooling last year, too, if I was going to drive. But for me to oh. get to him off of the highway, it would have been like an hour off the highway and an hour back <sighs> to the highway, which just adds two hours to the 21-hour drive, you know, so... I got it. Why don't we all just chip in and get Stevie a, a, a really nice Greyhound ticket? <laughs> <laughs> I got a Trubuchet. That'll tomorrow, work just as well. If he leaves tomorrow, right. he might make it in time. We'll open spring for the deluxe ticket. We'll we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and get you a bus with the with a with the uh, with a, a portage on in it with an indoor outhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought we were just going to stuff him in the storage on the bottom of the bus. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Probably cheaper. <laughs> yeah, they they do. Sh- you can ship via Greyhound, and if it fits, it ships. Well, NML thirty two says, "I live in Florida. Why do you bring? Ah. Why don't you bring my computer to Mel? I, I can't read that from here. To me. Or, oh, to me. me. Okay. I would say, so let's just Mel? make all kinds of personal deliveries." Yeah, it's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. I already have stuff. I, <laughs> I already have stuff I have to bring to David David Ladd from um, from Michael Brandt. So I got to I got to remember to bring that stuff too. And 
David's getting a delivery. It's, getting, <laughs> it's not Dr. Pepper related, although. I wonder if it's something that he can tinker with. Wait, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> and just out of curiosity. Just out of curiosity, who all on the panel, like Stevie, you're 99 sure you're, you're not going. And right. I'm pretty sure that Simon's not going to be able to make it this year. Um, but how, who else on the panel is actually making it to the fist? There's oh, money yeah. in there. <laughs> so just over but, half, it looks like. I can't see if X, uh, Exxon Paradise uh, raised his hand or not. <laughs> no. I think one of his eyes blinked. <laughs> Blink once for yes, two for no. Unfortunately, it's blinking the eye you can't see. <laughs> so on I, the other side. I also wanted to say you guys did a hell of a job, especially last week with the news. Mark Overholzer is our he was our secret weapon, like freaking Mr. News Anchor. Got the whole thing going and great job, Mark and Mark, for your tag team news last week. Well, it's one of those mantras to say about sports newscasting. I keep speaking till you think of something to say. So I, I think I did okay with that. <laughs> Darn, that my secret. Is now, that why cost, these shows are so long? Yeah, it cost me twice as much because I had to pay American uh, wages for you guys. But uh... <laughs> And we appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Checks in the Looks mail. like Alan replied in the chat. He America. said, no Coco Fest for me due to work projects which is what I'm trying to do this weekend is catching up. Cause of course, after a little, my clients know I'm going to be gone for a week next Thursday. Well, here's a bunch of stuff you better get done before you leave. So right. That's, here. that's always my problem. Like I won't even tell people I'm going out of town and the, the, when I get on the, in the plane or I'm at the airport and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. I'm getting phone calls. I'm getting texts. The sky is falling. The sky is falling, you know? So it's yeah. just. See you in a week. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of zero to one F's given. <laughs> oh well i'm greatly looking forward to it i missed uh being because no canadians were basically allowed across the border for the last one um which was delayed as it was you know because of covid restrictions etc but i'm really looking forward to actually seeing a bunch of people in person again it was bad because it was he missed it by a day i mean they like opened the border the day after yeah yeah it was like <laughs> And there'll be some new faces there. Like, Ken, this is your first time going to Coco Fest. So it is. Yeah, you can. You'll be bringing Hawaiian shirts to Coco Fest, Ken. Hey, of out chat, we've I don't think he owns a... anything else, to be honest. <laughs> ah. Well, over in chat, we've had a. Nick Marota. Oh, it is. It's Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Hey, Nick. Nico. Mistakes made yes. while you watch, huh? Some someday we have to get Mr. Marota down at one of these shows too, I think. But oh yeah, and by the way, I do like the new segment you guys have had the past couple of weeks too. The uh, echo, 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 echo. I like that. Well, that's ho- a, hopefully that's fixed this week. That's not that's not an issue. That's a feature. That's a new feature. <laughs> we had to work hard to get that echo. It's really hard to make it sound like it's a mistake. <laughs> that really long, yeah, yeah. That really long delay. Yeah, that would take actual talent. <laughs> if you're looking for actual talent, you've come to the wrong place. Ask your doctor if talent is right for you. <laughs> yeah, Nick is out there. Nick Marota. Side effects include watching Coco Talk. <laughs> uh, 
psychiatric treatment is available afterwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fred said he won't be able to make it this year. I I'll mention something uh, for Fred, actually, and probably it's a bit of a more public thing, too. Um, I, I was originally planning on having the next version of Nitrous 9 EOU available at the Fest. Uh, some of the people that are involved with some of the sub-projects that are part of it aren't done like Fred. And uh, My stuff's not done either. Uh, in fact, I haven't really touched it in the last month because I've been too busy with work. So I'm not sure when it'll come out. It is still being worked on. It will be coming out. just won't be any time near the Fest here. You're fired. <laughs> I'm in charge of the project. You can't fire me. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to do that. I'll just buy it out and Elon Musk it all. That's what I'll do. We appreciate everything you do, Curtis, and all the whip cracking you do also for your uh, minions. I mean, uh, coworkers. I mean, uh, coworkers. friends. Friends. Oh, yeah, friends. Thank you, Bill. Minions. I thought those were those little guys that look like Twinkies with goggles. Yep. Right. Oh, and Fred, too. Thank you, Fred. Kevin Holloway is asking, is 261 the right episode number? I think it is. I don't know. I think it is. I, I, I didn't do it last week, so right. I'm kind of lost. I did. Uh, I, yes, 261 is good. I did, did the, arith the arithmetic shift right, and I think that's what we came up with. Well, did we have some type of episode number checksum available? Uh, I just add one to my screen every week. Yeah, and Terry Stegi is saying he's a grandpa again. Sorry for that side effect of Coco Talk. But, uh, wow. <laughs> You gotta stop reproducing, Terry. Come on, get your tubes tied already. <laughs> I don't know how do you how do you tie grandpa tubes. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Asparagus. Uh, yeah, that that house that horse done left the barn years ago. <laughs> anyway, we don't have a fixed topic for today, so I'm I'm guessing maybe talk a little bit about the upcoming fest uh, for anybody here that's going to be exhibiting or doing seminars. If you want to let people know what you'll be doing at the fest, if you've got some new stuff that you're not going to officially announce until the fest, you can maybe give us a hint that new stuff coming or something like that. But if we want to go around the table for the people that are going to be there, um, any any announcements or pre-announcement hints, etc. Starting with, I guess we might as well go in the same order on the screen as uh, sure. as Mark did on the intro. So, Mark Overholzer, any anything to mention? Um, same stuff as last week. Um, I should have uh, boom lots boards. of screwdrivers. And yeah, screwdrivers. If I got space for them, well, I've got bags of screwdrivers. <laughs> well, get these with these temperature sensors. And I think right now we probably have about 2,000 of those screwdrivers. So I'm snagging a couple couple hundreds of them at least. Okay. Uh, and but, for new viewers who don't know what a boomerang is besides the Australian deadly weapon, you want to explain yes. what exactly it is? Oh, yes. Uh, so the boomerang, I'm, I should have uh, some, I think there's supposed to be 20 of them. Um, I hope everything passes testing. Uh, 20 boomerang boards. Basically, these are a two megabyte memory board for your Coco 3. They come with a uh, accompanying DAT board, which is basically the uh, it's a buffer for protection for the CPU, but also it provides the extra two signal lines needed to access beyond 512K, which is the limit of the Coco 3 by itself. So I'm going to have some of those. I'm going to have some of David Ladd mouse boards again and with boxes. And um, I have a few of um, um, uh, Scott Went, uh, Malfunks, uh, little USB adapter boards. He only has software so far for the uh, um, Xbox 360 controllers, but theoretically it could do mouse and it could also do some joysticks and stuff. So, but anyway, I'll have some of those if somebody's interested in that hardware. And of course, those prototype boards. And hopefully I'll be messing around with some uh, network cards, uh, Rick's network card. So, I have stuff to sell and stuff to show. Cool. Last week, uh, Nick Morentes was asking, would the um, Boyson DAT board work on a triad? 
Cloud9 memory board. And I think it will, because I think I think one of the things that Richard was saying before is that some of those triad boards actually had one meg on them, even though they were being sold as 512. And with right. his DAT yeah, board, you could get one meg off of those. So I think you're right. I think the DAT is the DAT. I don't think there's different yep. ways to DAT. Yeah, well, there is a, right. there's a disc. I don't board. know about DAT. Have, okay. Yeah, you could have the disc or the DAT, but I'm pretty sure the DAT board. Um, I think I think that that's it. Yeah. That sounds right, Dad. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. You are right, Stevie. I forgot about that. Too many bits and pieces to keep track of. Oh, absolutely. I still have one new in the bag. Uh, I still I have a, I've got a two meg boomerang board and the dat board because I got two from him uh, last time I saw him at a Cocoa Fest in person, which was gosh, I don't know how many years ago. But yeah, I still have a. I, I figured mine would be a collector's item, but apparently there's all new stock coming through. So <laughs> new and revamped. That's right. oh, new and in, how can it be new and improved? Version two. <laughs> it's yeah, right. now boomerang shaped. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. And Mr. Roboser, you don't have a seminar or anything to show off these things. You're just you're manning a boot. No. Yeah, yeah, I don't I, I don't have time to do that. So <laughs> maybe some year, but not right now. So come talk to that person. I understand. I've got a couple of tables. Okay, I guess I'm next. Um, yep. I'm bringing an extra suitcase. Uh, I'm trying to bring as much as my uh, uh, workbench as I can. So I've got like uh, bringing the desolder station, solder station, trying to fit the Neprom burner chip tester. Uh, so we could do, I can do some, uh, you know, cocoa repairs. Can you fit Stevie in this extra suitcase? You can get him to the show that way. Uh, I'm running out of room. Oh, okay. He needs a suitcase to put the cash in. <laughs> yeah. That's McMurrenti's. <laughs> Croggy. That's what all the foam is for because uh, the airlines are not gentle with the uh, suitcases. I don't imagine they nope, will be. Not at all. I think the gorillas from the Samsung commercial are still working at the airports. <laughs> oh, they got a really good union from what I hear. <laughs> well, Ken Waters is going to find out my driving is pretty similar to that, so uh, we'll see how much <laughs> his gear survives. You guys carpooling? Yeah, yeah. But just just avoid the couches. <laughs> so I have to drive halfway across Canada to hop into the car with uh, Curtis and then drive all the way down to Chicago and drive by halfway across the states. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Road wow. trip. Uh, let's see, Rick, what you got? I know you got a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, what you bring? Most interesting thing is I've got this network card that works on three quarters, 80% of all cocos just fine and occasionally doesn't work. Um, so if you might be interested in playing with Coco networking, because this thing is ludicrously easy to write demo apps for. So it could be a lot of fun if it works on your Coco. Um, bring your Coco. If you buy one Coco, come by my booth and we'll test it on the card. And I can tell you for sure if it works or not. Because it either works completely or it fails totally, and I can't figure out why. Um, most Cocoa threes are good, half the Cocoa twos are good, but I have such a small sample, I can't really point to what what's going on. Yeah, what the common anyway. denominator is. Anyway, oh, like I know you were speculating before, it was actually the chips you were getting from the the place there were certain different revision runs of them but that's not the problem now it sounds like well i mean beyond that's the problem that i've got 10 of them that i really can't just eat so if it works on your cocoa i have 10 units that will work on your cocoa 
<laughs> but how do I know if it works on your cocoa unless we plug one in and see if it works? So anyway, um, if you soak them in the chips, if you yeah, say if you soak it in vinegar, it might soften up to the point where it's a little bit easier to swallow. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's what I've got. I'm bringing the keyboards, key key fix boards because they do work and. And how, how many of those, like, I know you were going through the various different revisions of Cocoa 1s, 2s, and 3s. How many of those actually you have working now on, on the keyboards? So we have the the 3s and the 2s with the full height keyboards. And I'm working on a melty one, but it's kind of a its own adventure. And I think that completes the Mylar keyboards. The other ones were all sort of circuit boards and switches, I believe. Do you even have the chiclet keys or like the old Cocoa 1 ones or no? I think those had switches under them. I don't think those were Mylar, were they? Oh, actually, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I haven't looked at mine for quite a while, so. Well, I think I've run out of the ones I can fix. That that amp, is it amphenol part? The chiclet keyboard is really weird, but <laughs> nothing that can't be overcome. I mean, my favorite thing about it, other than fixing a keyboard where the Mylar's, you know, gotten kind of wrecked over the years and, you know, certain keys quit working is the fact that you can swap the alt control on the <clears throat> up and down arrow keys on the Coco 3 keyboard because that's going to come in so handy for some of the old games. It is indeed yeah. a handy gadget, and Sloopy's playing with one yeah, of the cards everyone, now. Everyone <laughs> needs one of these. That's the uh, Ethernet card. That's the, that's the full boat. It's got the, the 550 serial port and the network card. Um, Ooh, Sloopy. So, yeah, it could be big fun. I'm, I'm still waiting on the 550s to come back online again. I'm not, I'm not good enough at surface mount to reliably do them myself surface mounts easy well the 48 qfps are kind of hard for me i i yeah i can do one for myself but if you give me 10 in a row i gotta do it's gonna be a bad day <laughs> okay let me see them they're fine also uh 60 karen in the chat there is uh, i think a statement for rick um might be related to this weird disparity isn't to do with how some machines need pull-ups on the CPU address lines, is it? Real good question. I mean, I've got three Coco 2s, you know, two with the horizontal regulate, horizontal TV and one with the vertical TV. And one of the horizontal ones works, one of the horizontal ones doesn't, the vertical one works. It's like, what's going on here? It's not earlier serial numbers on the cocoa. It's not the kind of RAM that's installed. It's <laughs> well, if um, if Mark was correct, Mark Siegel was correct in saying that the serial numbers basically don't mean anything at all. <laughs> they weren't actually consecutive. That might not help you anyway. So that might not mean anything. Right. Yeah, that's basically I just what he need told a better us. Sample set is what it comes down to. Um, We've only, it's only been tried on, I mean, a dozen Cocos, maybe. Um, you know, there, there's there's five or six out in the field and the Cocos I've got. So it's not a very big sample set. And I really need to see what's going on. Um, these are all the same board. I mean, and supposedly they're all the same WizNet, although the production numbers have changed over time, obviously. You know, it's kind of a date code on them. But uh, yeah, I'm it's just usually a silicon revision is what it usually is. I'm just I'm just puzzled. Well, this one just seems to be a simple date code. It, it sequentially gets older at kind of a periodic rate. 
like every time GLC restocks, it's got a different code. Hey, and Sixty, do you, have a, do you have an article or anything on the uh, pull-ups uh, for the Dragon or the Cocoa that you could uh, send us a link? Yeah, that would be good to try. Um, those are those diapers that are easy to take on and off, right? Tried all kinds of other things. So, hey, let's try something new. See, I wasn't going to say that, but I thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Friends. a big boy now. But I do know there was mentioned the Dragon Group and Facebook that that pull-up resistor actually solved some problems with some hard rad ones they were doing too. That, so maybe it's related. I don't know. Because they had some nifty ones that worked on some dragons and some not. And that seemed to fix well, it consistently. Well, That's the other thing I've got to find at the fest. I've got to find a cocoa that doesn't work with my card. Because I've got to give back. I've got a customer's cocoa that doesn't work. I found a card that works on it. But then when I give him that, now I don't have any way to know which ones don't work out of future cards that I might get. So could you exchange him one, one that works and then keep that one as your test base? Or? I don't know. I'll have to approach that when we get there. But otherwise I'm gonna be running around the fest one. This cocoa for sale, can I plug this in it? This cocoa for sale, can I plug this in it? <laughs> Look, magic oh. smoke. Okay, can you give me yours instead? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, next up, uh, Ron, you were uh, you were going to be at home, right? Well, if I was to go, let me. Can I share my screen? Sure. If I was, it says I cannot. Oh, well, I can. If I was just to uh, participate. If I had a hammer, this is what I would do. We facts. <laughs> take a drink, everybody. Yeah, drink. Take a take a drink. We Sweet facts. facts. Are you going to give us live weather reports for us driving down there, Ron? That's from correct. We Facts. <laughs> you could be our keynote speaker, and we could sit here and watch a facts download in real time, and that would take up an hour and a half's time. So then you well, could yeah, maybe do a little song and dance while it's downloading. Bring, bring your shortwave radio at the beginning. <laughs> If, that run? if you start drinking at the beginning of the fast, <laughs> it moves much faster as time goes on. Are you speaking from experience, Ron? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm assuming. I must say, though, uh, the last one I downloaded, if you saw that, uh, the detail on it's fantastic. I'm learning how to, uh, um, how do you say, improve as I go. You'll have to give me lessons because I'm not able to do that. Yeah, you guys are overly um, rambunctious about this particular thing. <laughs> I love me some WeFax. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you said WeFlax. I thought it was a breakfast yeah. cereal like Weetabix. Sorry. Every once in a while, I get somebody that's interested. They'll text me or something and say, how the heck are you doing this? You know, give me some ideas. And I tell them and pretty soon... I say, you know, post something, you know, even if it's bad, post your results. That's it. Never hear from them again. <laughs> oh, well. well, they're still drinking from the start of that. That might that's be why. Right. That's it. They got distracted. Yeah. <laughs> friends don't let friends drink in WeFax. No. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, I came to me uh, as I was uh, looking at the green screen for a while. You know, back when they made the cocoa or they made this uh, 6847 chip or whatever, do you think uh, we had a green screen? Because uh, back in the day, green um, 
CRTs were big then or what? I honestly don't know. The VDG chip was actually older than the 6809. I think if I remember correctly, Motorola came out that in 78, I think. So two years before the 6809 came out or a year before anyway. So I'm not sure what the thinking was. It was it was pretty old, old technology. Because there was amber, green, and what other? Well, later there was like paper white and stuff, but yeah, most yeah. were either just yeah, that. It started off white. as green. Amber came out years later as like a reducer of eye strain. Yeah. Supposed to be softer on the eyes. But, uh, and some of the old white ones, you had that little yeah. mesh screen you'd put over top to dim it down so it wouldn't blaze your eyeballs out of your right. head. And, and there was also a screen you can put on to um, have it so people next to you couldn't see what your screen was. The privacy on. screens, yeah. Yeah. Green was probably chosen because between red, green, and blue, green is the easiest on your eyes and easiest to read. All right. Searing red I, text. That would be great. I think <laughs> yeah. the uh, predecessor to the Coco, though, was the uh, Ag Terminal, the Green Thumb Project. I think that's probably why they chose the green because of that. Yeah, and we know how important colors are for reading text because we've seen some of Ken's you know high score tables with colors that are a little <laughs> yeah, off. There we so. go. <laughs> what brown on what Poor black guy. on brown isn't good. <laughs> black on Sorry, dark Ken. red. <laughs> My favorite is the mauve on taupe combination. That's, uh... <laughs> Speaking of Ken, what, what, about are, you, what uh, are you bringing to the fest? Oh, what am I bringing to the fest? Well, I'm bringing me, myself, and I. All three of us are going. Wow. Um, not I don't know really if I have room in the car for all three of you there. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get a big enough hotel room? <laughs> they got a volume discount. <laughs> I'm bringing my Hawaiian shirts. Well, thank goodness. I, but I got to see that, if I still have any. I had multiple Hawaiian shirts myself, and I thought since we're doing a presentation together Sunday morning, I thought we could be in, in sync having uh, the Hawaiian yeah. shirts, but I, I really don't think those fit me anymore. Twins. Hey, what about a WeFax shirt? Hey, what do you think? <laughs> I think it takes too long to sew. So. Everybody take a drink. Ron said WeFax. Yeah. I'd like to see an active WeFax shirt so it keeps changing with the weather. All right. Let's have a flexible, you know, like uh, a mood LCD ring. screen. A mood. <laughs> now we, sh we should mention Ken is also uh, co-presenting a seminar with me on Sunday morning, too. So, yep. Ken, if you want to explain what, what that is. Well, we'll be going over some... Uh, basic 09 commands that are not in the uh, manual that's available online. So uh, yeah, you can learn more stuff about basic 09 and doing graphics and other things. Undocumented extra features. Undoc there you go. That's yeah. undocumented extra features, sort of. There is documentation. I'll show you how to find that too. Is there a WeFax command? Uh, <laughs> asparagus, Ron. Asparagus. Why, why yes, on. Ron. There Just is a WeFax command, believe it or not. Okay. <laughs> I want the we teletype command instead myself. Okay. Jason, what you got? Oh, what do I got? Well, I'll bring this. MC10. So you obviously got yeah. a window in your room. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, it makes it, it, it with the, with the memory thing. It makes a good you know, bookend. The tables are wobbly. That'll help. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it, seriously, I, I will have I will have a limited amount of the Dingo high res available, along with uh, you know a limited amount of pretty much everything. But I will have some Joey high res if you need the whole switching system. I will have. Some serial switch boxes. I will probably have some drive wire cables, maybe even some uh, 
Oh, I'll have some switcheroos, of course. I'll have uh, I'll have uh, some crikey, you know, drive wire cables, that sort of thing, and uh, and maybe a couple other things. We'll see. We'll see what we get done between now and then. But uh, any we'll fake Australian licorice, by any chance? Only if I go to dollar, maybe dollar, dollar tree, or <laughs> what is it? Dollar, a dollar and a quarter tree. They have that uh, wily wallaby, and you look at it; it's Australian style licorice. Right. I'll probably, speaking of wallabies, I'll probably have some wallaby cables and some. Uh, oh yeah, I do. I have I have wallaby. I have, and I'll have some kookaburra. If anybody needs a RGB extension cable, I'll have those. Now, will the lovely Sarah be accompanying you? No, no, she will not be. Is, so she has tasted what you're saying. She doesn't want to meet all of us. Uh, <laughs> Did you tell no, her Grant it's... was going to be there? Is that why she's not coming? <laughs> <laughs> Could be. We get, a, we get a very busy month, and she has to be selective of what kind of time she asks for off. So this 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 is something she has to sit out. But uh, and then the weekend after that is is uh, Hamvention returning after two years. So we'll be, we'll be going to that. So live we faxing there is what you're saying. Well, we could, you know, if we find something interesting, I could, uh, I could uh, bring it to you live, but I, I don't know if anyone will be doing WeFax live. We'll check. If you started Friday, it might be done by Sunday. So, <laughs> right. My uh, switcheroo, you know, that I bought from you, um, the thing uh, is still working. I don't know what the deal is, but it's still working. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I'm so sorry, Ron. I was hoping it. I hope. How are you supposed to sell more now? products? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it lasts. I, you know, then I you, you can let him send. Fast. Let him send you a replacement at a nominal charge. You can still buy another one if you want. Stevie has. Yeah. Just, just shipping and handling. Well, Stevie buys stuff because it's the latest thing, and then he stacks it up behind him. Because I couldn't <laughs> find mine, and so I ordered one from him. And like the day after I ordered it, I found the one I couldn't find. So now I've got a, I've got a backup switcheroo now. So that sounds like a door prize. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I, I would like to get a switcheroo, but I would like, uh, like to get the actual box you need to go with it. Mm-hmm. from somebody that knows that it works well with a cocoa because it seems to be intermittent if you order them online that sometimes it works sometimes they don't and well it just that's... has to do where you order it from and unfortunately the way these things are made you know there's a bunch of different uh, overseas manufacturers that make them and sometimes you get a good one and sometimes you get one that's just crap but they the, all look the, the same well then they all they all look the same pretty much i mean i have one here that looks very similar to the ones that i've gotten and i just that's what I got order. right there. That's very yeah. similar. I, I just get them off of Amazon that way. If there's a problem, yeah, it's just real send them back. Ha- hassle-free returns is the big thing because I do not want to get into the business of selling these boxes. Is right. Number one, number one, uh, truthfully, I'm not going to make any money on these. Not it, it's, it, yeah. it's it's just a That's hassle. Understandable. And I right. don't want to. And then if to... there's and then if there's a problem, then you you don't want to get into having to be a yeah, freaking I, warranty exchange. That's already you know. Exactly. I'm brain smart about that about market corner. Yeah, the thing you have to work, watch out for is you have to watch out for some of these that look really cheap or it looks like a great price. But if you read the fine print, it doesn't do RGB. It only does composite. And I've had countless folks. Oh, this one's cheaper than the one you're talking about. And it, and it, and it doesn't do RGB. It's, it looks terrible. The switch doesn't work. That's because this one doesn't do RGB there. So there's some really cheap ones out there that, won't won't look at the rgb signals at all and those i always tell people from. don't get the cheap one you're going to be disappointed 
Sorry. No, I mean, about 30, 35 bucks US usually. I mean, I've seen them go low yep. as low as like 25 sometimes. And, but I, I ordered one recently on Amazon that was, um, it kind of worked. It, it kind of looked like that one that I just uh, I showed off, but it didn't, a lot of the modes didn't work on it. So it, it's kind of hit and miss. And it's really hard to, to specify a specific brand because these are all coming from China, all no name basically. And, uh, so there is not even a, a more expensive one. There's not a, a standard one that everybody you, knows works no matter what. Well, you can go more expensive if you want, and but uh, then you're you're looking at I think a hundred hundred and up. I think there's oh one, like three. like double to triple the price. Okay, yeah, double. I mean, there's there's ones I think that are two hundred and they're great. Except you know, and late except they have they're two hundred bucks. <laughs> they're two hundred bucks. They have lower latency than you're going to have with the thirty forty dollar one from Amazon. And, but that's, that's geared towards really a different audience. That's people that are just, they're just doing RGB exclusively because those higher end converters do not do composite. Listen, if you got, if you got nothing to do sometime and you reach your hand back behind the cocoa and you push one of those buttons on there, well, you could spend some extra time figuring out how to get back to where it worked. But well, it's, it's, just, only, it's it, just some, you know, 10, 15, 20, maybe half hour, maybe 45 mm. minutes and, and you're good, you know. Well, Curtis, I'm bringing mine with me. So if uh, you like it, I'll show you which one I picked out and bought. So, yeah, because I would like to get one eventually here. I mean, I do have, you know, my Gimme X actually has a VGA out. So I just put that in the monitor right now. But my other Coco 3 is running on an old, you know, tube Magnavox monitor. And if that ever goes, then it's composite only for me at that point. So I'm, I do have to look at getting it. I just, I've seen too many horror stories here. I'm not, you know, as you well all know, I'm not electronically minded and I'm well, there, like, I don't really know what to look for. Like if I can no get a bundle that has the, the switcheroo and a working box, I would pay a little extra for that. Well, personally, you would, you would have to. Well, <laughs> well put it this way. If, you, if you want to get, if you want to get one, Curtis, we can talk offline. I can, I can maybe have one, have a box and get one here for you and bring it to the fest maybe, but we can, discuss it i mean i can make a special yeah but i know i'm not you. the only one in that situation that's why i was yeah, asking yeah uh, yeah and i don't but i do I just, understand the fact that if you guys aren't even sure what you're getting when you order it that's that's a different story and i i just don't want to have to warranty but the thing i was going to mention about the expensive high-end ones is they they use they have a composite input but it's only using it for video sync it will not switch to composite it literally ignores the signal on pin 16 that tells it rgb or composite when I got so in that mine, case, you don't even get you don't even get composite without artifact. You get no composite at all. You get no composite, you know, no composite at all. Exactly right. So, but I, I have kicked that idea around, but it's just uh, I think it's a high risk, uh, you know, low reward type thing. But uh, when I got mine, there was uh, an instruction booklet, you know, seventy pages. It was easy to read, and it was no problem at all. <laughs> so the switcheroo installation instructions are one sheet. Yes, one side. <laughs> Stevie mentioned he has to go here, so uh, we'll say bye to him. All right. Take care. Yeah, Stevie. this whole, uh, this whole uh, scart box is putting me to sleep, so sorry. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Good night, Stevie. You have fun, sir. Ooh, it's David. Well, at least Remember. we have a high-energy replacement now, so go away, Stevie. That's fine. David, I am so <laughs> excited to see you. Oh, just wait for next weekend, buddy. Ooh, I won't be there, David. <laughs> oh, you slacker. <laughs> but but, but it is start. a good time to introduce the Bring David Ladd Doc Diet Dr Pepper to Cocoa Fest program. Oh, that's right. And I see DeBruce is joining us. Hey, DeBruce. Oh Lord, good to see you. <laughs> hello, hello. 
So well, now that we've energy. got a couple other people that are going to be at the fest here, and, I, and you know, some maybe presenting stuff here, we might as well talk to the two of them too. So, David, you're coming to the fest. Well, I'm planning on it. If nothing else decides to break on me, David's <laughs> gonna David's gonna run a serum uh, seminar on how to not answer a question but still talk in circles for at least 15 minutes. <laughs> so. Uh, I can so, do that, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I know. I heard that when you when hey David, is there any chance that the grease weasel could possibly help Terry Steen recover these floppies? Well, let's see. You know, we could get some gain attenuation floppies, and we could do this, and we could do that. It's usually like a yes or no, or most likely would have been a you know a good enough. Should have gone into politics. <laughs> <laughs> David, the fine art of not answering a question, but not shutting up. <laughs> Politics 101. It was a definite maybe, if I remember oh, correctly. Yeah, absolutely. So, David, mm -hmm. are, you, are, you, are you bringing any hardware to show off or anything to, to show at the show? Or just bringing yeah, yourself and presenting not. your lovely face? Uh, yeah, I'm just bringing myself and bringing some stuff that's been needed to be gotten to Eric Canales. So, Ooh, and, okay. and Jason said earlier he was going to try to bring you some stuff from uh, from uh, Qui-Gon, Mike yeah. Grant. Yes, it might be something you could tinker with, David. <laughs> yeah. And and Bruce, you're you're coming to the fest, obviously, and you've got a few things coming to to show some stuff to show off and some stuff to sell. If you want to kind of let people know what that is. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I'm going to have. I'm going to have some copies of Force of Doom available. I'm, I was doing, doing some math the other day, and I believe to date I've sold 96 copies. So let's, I want to see if Coco Fest can push me to the, the, to the nice. 100 mark. I think that would be pretty, pretty cool. And um, let's see. I, I just put up a, a Coco Forever. Now, where is it? I, can't put I it saw a thing on Facebook with the cassette. Yeah. yeah USB cassette, it looked like. Yeah, 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 it's a USB, but it looks like a cassette, and it's got the classic green sticker on there, Coco Forever. I thought it's time to to put that onto something tangible, yeah, and uh, along with lots of bonus content. And oh, I'm really? Bring, yeah, I'll like bring bonus a few. beyond the regular bonus content. Well, I'm not, like you, uh, you had a, sort of a multimedia presentation. You had like you know, programs you ran on the Coco right. and other stuff too. So yeah, yeah, that beyond was all, that. Yes, beyond that stuff. Beyond, beyond that. Beyond that. Wow, yeah. that makes it a true bonus. Yeah. Could so, I, um, since I won't make it, could I possibly prepay for one and maybe have somebody hold on to one for me? Because I would like, I like collectibles. Uh, well, maybe. Just, just <laughs> we'll charge see. them extra shipping, Bruce. Yeah, fun. yeah, that's it. No, that's just, it. I'll, just I'll, I'll send you the money and just give it to somebody there local, then I'll see them in you know, a year or so. Okay, so here's, here's the deal. I'm bringing eight. I want to see if anybody's going to pick them up. If they're going to pick them up, great. If there's like a big demand, then I'll I'll start I'll make more and I'll I'll start shipping them. So, it, it, like words, a, that's it, that was a real screw you answer, Bruce. But that's fine. It's it's <laughs> kind of like it's kind of like you got to be there to win, you know. I must be present <laughs> to win, huh? Must be present to win. Yeah, it's one of those okay. things. Guaranteed yeah. to only go up in value. Uh -huh. And Bruce, you're giving a seminar too, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm presenting, uh, yes. How to I apologize am. like a true Canadian? <laughs> We're sorry. No, no, that I'm going to be presenting my, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have a working demo of my sequel to Forest of Doom called Realm of Doom, and there's going to be some surprises in there, and uh, I'm just uh, very 
busily, crazily trying to get my, my presentation together, you know, like as we speak, practically, I've got it open on my screen, trying to get all my PowerPoint stuff together because it's going to be soon. It's going to be a two day trip. Jacob and I are both coming uh, two days in, two days out. So uh, we're really looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, I guess it's time to start working on the presentations, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah, we should yeah. do that, shouldn't we, Ken? Um. <laughs> we should talk about that, Curtis. <laughs> Lock it out or something, yeah. Understand in the sequel, the uh, the Forest of Doom has been cleared and they've built a Kmart in its place. Put up a parking lot just to make it more Yeah, tidy. no, no. I'm giving a, I'm giving a good history. I I you know there's a chance my uh, my old cocoa buddy's gonna show up. Yeah. Uh, a small chance, but if he does, it's gonna be epic because I I'm gonna be talking about our childhood cocoa escapades. And I as I was putting my presentation together, I realized that all this stuff I did when I was like between ten and fourteen with my buddy Glenn um, has actually influenced everything I've created since I've come back to the cocoa community. I never realized how integrated they were. And so I'm just gonna kind of show how that bit of craziness and creativity happened. Uh, and then of course, I'm gonna have a big reveal. So mm-hmm. gotta be there. Excellent. <laughs> I wish I could. And there, I get, yeah. there's, there's a 1% chance that I might just decide to drive at the last minute, but I'm taking such a huge risk with work if I leave town, you know? So that's my challenge. But excellent. I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce out of here. But thanks, guys. Great show. Have a great show. Thanks everybody who's watching us live, and um, catch you all later. I'll, I'll hear the replay later on. Cool. Okay. Talk to you later, Stevie. Mm-hmm. Take, Take care, care, Stevie. Anybody else in the panel that's coming to the show that we haven't? Uh, asked what they're doing? We haven't talked to Sloopy. Maybe that's because he's not here. Oh, there he is. He's been hanging on for quite some time. <laughs> Why do you need to talk to me? What I do? Are you coming to the show? Um, yes. And are yes. you bringing anything or are you providing any services there, doing a seminar or anything? I am hopefully going to get there. I'm going to go stand outside and go like this and hopefully get a ride. Someone's already uh, offered to uh, take me. Um so hopefully they... was it a guy in Georgia is going to swing by and pick you up on the way because it's short. No, actually, it's a uh, very beautiful young woman. Uh, goes by the name Missy. You may have heard of her. Well, she can be at a place with all the rest of us. Yes. <laughs> I think yeah, she was envious I... of all the fun he had last year. When I when I told her that um, that we that that there's a hotel room and it has a bath and she said, bring bubble bath and I'll go. Also has a pool. Uh, yeah, there's a pool. Yeah, well, yeah. That's a reminder for anybody coming. Uh, bring swim trunks. It might have to. It has a pool yeah. with like an arcade game and I think maybe a claw machine over there too. Yeah, that'll so... be great. I could get a get a use out of my speedos. <laughs> yeah, so all of a sudden the pool sounds less appetizing now. I don't yes. know why. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately the pool area is is viewable from where we where we have dinner, isn't it? Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I couldn't help that one. Actually, that setup kind of reminds me of some of the old Elgin Cocoa Fest in the 90s because uh, we had one of the hotels that had an indoor pool where all the rooms kind of surrounded it, too. So I'm glad my uh, imagination's burned out because I could not get a mental image of uh, of uh, Mr. Ladd in a uh, Speedo. So anyway, to get it that's, back that's, onto that's, a that's thought not, where I'm not trying to hold vomit that's in my mouth. Is. That's not helping. Um, <laughs> so, Sloopy, are, are you actually like manning a booth or anything? Are you doing repairs and stuff on site or, or bringing uh, any I'm, hardware I'm going to try to, um, 
I've been uh, trying to get things done and get things moved and organized and such. And unfortunately, with the uh, issues with the house last week and everything having to move, I haven't been able to get much done. But I'm hoping to have a bunch of stuff uh, to bring um, as long as I get done. Um, it's I wanted to uh, start doing uh, assembly work, but finding parts has been a difficult because everything's been pushed around, but hopefully I should be there and I should have some, some drive wirelessly is in some internal drive wires to sell. Um, but it's all in depending on if I'll be able to get things done, but either way I'll be there. So people can say hi, shake my hand, throw tomatoes at me or whatever makes them happy. Okay. So let me, let me check my notes. Bring David Ladd, Diet Dr. Pepper, and throw tomatoes at you. Okay, check. Are tomatoes uh, just a little bit too soft, though? And <laughs> yeah, it's when, they, it's, when, it's when they put the uh, rocks in them that's that's the hard part. Frozen tomatoes. There we go. How about we'll bring some tomatoes from Canada. Oh, sure. Give them ideas. Coconuts. Cherry tomatoes. Coconuts. Yeah, we'll throw coconuts at you. There um, we go. Dave, Ladd, you're, de- you're going to be there? I'm planning on it. Okay, then uh, I will plan on bringing your stuff. Woohoo! Ooh, the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the contraband. And uh, uh, if you're not there, David, I'm giving your stuff to Grant. Oh, really? Are we getting a leaky storm? No, I figured it has a better chance of getting there from Grants than it does from here. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, I think we've covered everybody that's yeah, coming to so. the show, haven't we? I don't think there's anybody left that... Uh... I think so. All right. Anyway, we... I'm looking forward to it. It's been a few years since I've been down to one. It's been a few years since Bruce has been down to one. It's been forever since Ken's been down to one. Literally. Nice That's person. good. Ken will get to experience me in person. <laughs> I'm going to start out with a big, big hug for you, David. That's right. Oh, That's Lord. A, watch out. He's a hugger. <laughs> All right. You may fit in better than I thought, Ken. Um, we ready to move on? Yeah, I think so. I just, uh, I think everybody's looking forward to it. We're looking forward to getting it streamed to how we're, we set that up. So, you know, Stay tuned. We'll try to get as many seminars and some of the show floor and people stopping by just to, I don't know, is there a plan for a regular show during this, uh, the fest, or is it just going to be the live streaming on the channel? Does anybody know yet? Well, since it's pretty much going to be only Stevie, I'm thinking uh, just the streaming. So live streaming, maybe some witty commentary, which means Stevie will have to get a replacement. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway, look forward to seeing quite a few of you there. All right. No, all of us. Well, no, not everybody in the panel is going to be there. Is what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> ah, okay. So yes. maybe David Ladd's case, if he's wearing a speedo, that might apply. I'm not sure. So. I look forward to seeing a select few of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Yeah. Okay, one. But, um, <laughs> I think we're going to need a roll of redact tape. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I I just gotta throw my input in there once in a while. As long as you don't throw in the pool, we're good. 
Okay, right. roll, roll the tape. Yeah, yeah about, that's enough how, for COVID how, about, how about we do a commercial and things like yeah. that? And then the game on commercial. challenge results, maybe? Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast, featuring a candy-colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original color computer, the Coco 3, and the world-renowned exclusive French Shack. Coco Talk would like to thank our patrons who sponsor our program, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman. Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Bowden Aaron, Brendan Donahue, Ryan Weasler, Brian Walsh, Aaron Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daddy Burrito, Danielle Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jay Style, Ken Riker, Malfunk, Melly, Michael Pitsley, Michael Rayburn, O.G. Hugo, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Retro Tech Time, Rick Eulen, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom Heron, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athink. Thank you ever so much, patrons. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord This Week? Stweb. Hi, I'm Stefan from Germany, and just acquired my first Coco 2 from eBay. It's a Korean PAL version number 20261059 board. I've got a collection of retro computers and I learned about the channel on YouTube. Matchy. Hi, I'm Matt. I've been into Coco since a kid, and as a hobby now. I like programming in CMOC and experimenting with semi-graphics. This server was advertised on Talk, and I hope to share and learn more. The previous bios were edited for time's sake. Thanks to, Melly, Boysontech, Paul Fiscarelli, Eric Canales, the Glenside Color Computer Club, Terry Stage, and the Talk patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer at discord.cocotalk.live. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I was trying to make some copies of discs, but the garden weasel kept tearing the magnetic media. Welcome everybody to the results of this week's Coco Talk Game On Challenge. This week we played Demon Seed. We had a total of 
18 players. We had Kieran with 3,600. Mark B with 3,980. Damon Beals, 4,270. Mr. Dave, 6,309, 4,380. Tied for 13th place, we had Bob in Coco and Kathleen, both with 4,480. Ed Rhodes, 5,130. Sabhead, 7,530. Sloopy Malibu, 7,610. Buck Owens, 9,110. Tom C., 9,270. Jim Rye, 10,310. Rich N., 11,260. Canadian Retro Things, 12,960. Brian Walsh, 13,370. Tasman, 17,380. David Craker, 18,860. And the number one score this week was... Eric Omont with 39,370. Just a reminder, everybody, yeah, next no week way. we will be at Coco Fest. So this week's Game On Challenge will last two weeks. But thanks, everybody, that played this time. And we will see you in two weeks. So there you go. <clears throat> Eric Omont kicked everybody's butts. Wow. Now this this game I was watching the reports there. Apparently it, it froze up. Yeah. On um, people or crashed. I never or... had that problem. So I don't know if I just wasn't scoring high enough or what was going on, but it never froze up on me at all. So But from what I saw, it sounds like the dragon version didn't do that. That it was just the cocoa version for some reason. So it oh. might have been a bad crack back in the day or something. Might have been. I just had the version off the archive, so. Yeah, I'll have to dig around. I'll try to see if I can find my original cracked version. Um, I think, Sloopy, didn't you here. find something about if you hit two buttons at once, it was freezing? Or No. That's what someone said, but that didn't turn out to be true. Oh, okay. It did that on mine, but it turned out to be a pause, not a crash. Yeah, yeah I'm wondering if anybody was at, people were accidentally hitting the pause button. Some people yeah. said that they that it wasn't pausing; it was it was okay. locked yeah. up dead. Yeah, it was it was definitely a crash. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No idea because it never happened to me, so I cannot talk firsthand on that. And with all the buttons on uh, Mark B's controller, I'm not surprised it didn't have a uh, a uh, button that starts. Well, it's a button a button that starts Emacs. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> one's a fire button, but if I hit the two, if I managed to hit the two together, then it paused it for some reason. And I don't know what that other button actually does on VCC. Okay, well. And also, I wanted to mention something that I saw in the chat, too, um, that it looks like there are some extra things in the game that aren't even mentioned in the manual, which we do have online for this one, like that RL up, up in the corner. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. we did finally figure that one out. Yeah. So who figured anyway. that out and what exactly is, should be added to the manual, I guess? Actually, so, Mark B uh, figured it out. Yeah, so... If you hit the S key on your on, on VCC anyway, if you hit the S key, it would switch between left, right, and keyboard. Okay, so that R L K is what it would put up. Right. In the yeah. So your right controller, left controller, or a keyboard. And it also works in XOR. Okay. And on real hardware. 
It does? Okay. Yeah. Is that even in the manual? No. Nope. <laughs> I was on the beginning of the stream before I went back to work, and uh, <clears throat> somebody had asked, what does that R mean up in the corner there? And Although I went and I grabbed the manual and doesn't mention it all. In one of the reviews that I have here, um, they did actually talk about how you can switch between joysticks or the keyboard. They just don't tell you how. <laughs> and you have to be in the game to do that. So I'm wondering if it's maybe something that was in an earlier edition of the manual or something like that. Or we have an earlier edition scanned on the archive and not a later one, maybe. Could be. Anyways, um, yeah. would anybody like to see those reviews? Yeah. Yeah, sure. sure. I can't yeah. share my screen, though. Oh, oh while, while you're changing the, the sharing there, the uh, David Craker mentions, for me, the crash was abrupt, abrupt game termination when drawing the boss screen, even though I had multiple lives remaining. So that's definitely a crash. That's not a oh, that's an illegal exit, right? Okay, where is my reviews? Well, first I'll just show this, which is uh, just a copy of, I guess this would be the instruction manual or whatever. Yeah, and you notice here it says color DMC. Color that's DMC. because this game was originally for the Terra setting model one and three by the same company. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Um, now, let's see if I can find what I'm trying to share here. I'll show all windows. Where did it go? I think I've lost. Oh, no, there. I just didn't scroll down far enough. So I did find one high score for this game. And uh, this was, oh, I think, like August or no. Later than that, I think it was October uh, 1984 Rainbow. It was the only one I could find. And it was somebody from someplace in Quebec, 13,010. So that's definitely a believable score since a lot of us beat that. And then there was a review here in Rainbow, May of 84 Rainbow. And uh, yeah, basically they liked this game. Um, it's interesting because they do talk about how it's just a weird copy protection on the disc and it causes your uh, disc drive to jump all over the place when loading it. So it's really hammers the disc drive. I have a question on the review too, for the, you people that played it this week here, but the very last paragraph says all in all demon C is a good arcade game that will grow on you. It is available in 16 K and 32 K versions. Is there any difference between the two? I think we only had the 32 K there. I think the 16K might have been the um, tape version. Oh, okay. And then there was also a review in the International Color Computer Club newsletter. So also like this game. It was interesting, though, they talk about how, was it this one or the other one where they talked about how it was a white screen with... Um, dark color or with uh, colors. So like they talk that, about the copy protection in it also. And they also talk about the copy protection. I was just going to say that, but uh, yeah. So that's why I'm thinking this might've been an earlier version of the game or something because the colors that they talk about in the uh, review are completely different than what we were playing. It wasn't a black. I, either that or that's the European version. Cause I believe demon seed was sold for the dragon too. And that would have had to switch to P mode three to get color at all. Oh, okay. So it might've be the, uh, the European version. And then here they also talk, this article talks about the um, copy protection 
and uh, what program the guy used to break the copy protection to make his legitimate <laughs> backup copy. Yeah, and Omniclone was by Prickly Pear Software, if I remember. That and Spitting Image, or Spitting Image, I think, were the two most common for pro, uh, software you could buy to, to copy, copy protected discs and tapes. And this guy mentions here, I recommend it to every honest Cocoa user. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting that both articles talked about how they didn't like the copy protection on it. So, yeah, so that was. Uh, the reviews that I found. Uh, and hello to Frank of Retro Rewind who just popped in the chat. Now, something that Nick Morentes pointed out here is there's a video online of Demon Seed being played on the Model 4. So this was the other version that was out there. Yeah, the one previous to the Coco version. Yeah, so this was previous. So you can see how it looks a little different to the one that we had. Still get just as dead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> see, does he make it to the... Apparently hasn't learned how to use shields either. Oh. Nope, he never made it past the... Yeah, so unfortunately, he did not make it past the first two screens, so you don't get to see how the third and fourth screens look on this, but yeah. So it was definitely a game that was out there. Um, yeah, and Computer Shack actually was kind of famous because they started the Model 1 and 3 market and had a ton of really good top quality games, and quite a few of them got ported to the Coke, like Outhouse and Demon mm -hmm. Seed and Time Bandits and etc. So they... Had a lot of good stuff for all the tiers hitting one. And it looks like this game actually got picked up by another company later on because. If you're talking um, Mictron, Computer Shack was renamed to Mictron oh, due to legal issues okay. from Tandy and the Shack name. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So, so some of this stuff does have one name and some has the other name. Yeah. The older ones will have Computer Shack, the newer ones have Mictron. Mm hmm. So Sloopy, did you want to talk about the live uh, show or before we get into tri tricks and tips? Um, I can throw up. Uh, I can throw up yeah, the but... uh, video if you want me to. Okay, you're going to add advertise for Diet Dr Pepper. <laughs> oh, I thought this is all I had to show. <laughs> well, here I will put up the. Uh, game on screen here if you want to talk about it sure we had uh six people playing this week and uh had wonderful time we need to get more people playing though i want to see the whole screen filled and ah uh, sorry <laughs> Well, I think we had more than six people. We just had six was our top number, but uh, we did have yeah, right. once because you had some people, people come in. Yeah. And out come in and we had, we had out. six people streaming at once. Yeah. And uh, fun was definitely had by all. It was, this was uh, evidently one of the more popular games. Um, as, as we were said earlier, we figured out the whole uh, reasoning for the letter because that was a... Uh, 
topic of discussion for quite a bit. And uh, I mean, this this game doesn't have a lot of, let's say, unique characteristics. I mean, uh, person at the bottom, enemies at top, shooting them. I mean, it's a uh, common uh, theme in the game. So, well, it's a pretty well exact clone of Phoenix from the arcade yeah. and that came out in nineteen eighty. Yeah. So that's it's one of the ones that definitely, um, yeah goes along with the uh, original game. Now, it's Mark Overholzer, there's there's a, uh, a an app two version of, of Phoenix as well, and I'm trying to remember the name of the darn thing. Oh, I can't, yeah, I can't remember. You're right. Um, oh, so I played that, that first game. before I played Damien Seed. To me, Damien Seed played smoother, but the Apple one looked a little bit better. I did play yeah. that on the Apple too, but um, I just had the green screen, so I couldn't I, back then. That's all it had, had the typical four, funky four apple colors, but <sighs> yeah, I seem to remember blue. I think uh, the, some of the characters were blue, the flapping ones. As far as arcade clones go, this is pretty good because I mean, the original Phoenix has five waves, and that's exactly what this one has. And it has uh, you know the alternating waves of two shots, and then one shot of doing roughly the same thing with a slightly different pattern, and then the uh, the mothership at the end, which Nick stole for his Space Intruders game. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 pretty. Pretty pretty decent clone of the arcade game. I mean, the arcade game obviously is a little bit higher res and you know, has a bit more color, but the gameplay is pretty well all there. Nothing really missing. Pretty good sound effects. Yes, and evidently Ken is better than I am at this game. <laughs> That's pretty well every game we've tried, isn't it? So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Very rarely, actually. I think I've only beat Sloopy's score like three or four times in the last 20 or 30 weeks, so... Yeah, if I'd known that he was going to do this on on this game uh, with his uh, high score list, then last week I would have played another uh, round of uh, Zero Hour. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one thing I will say about Sloopy, like I've been watching some of these streams, sometimes I've watched them after the fact, but he usually does a lot of whining and complaining about how crappy the game is and how much he dies in it at the beginning. But usually by the end of the stream, he's doing pretty darn good. So he's learning as he goes along and he actually gets quite a bit better. So. I think that that's the best way to play games when you have the most fun when you feel like you're actually advancing. Yeah, because there are a few yeah. games out there where you just get frustrated because you're never advancing. This yeah, I is went fortunately from, one of them that um, yeah. you do advance in. Yeah, I went from what would have been about fifteenth in the standings to tenth. <laughs> well, the first time I played it, I played it about three or four times at the beginning of the week, and I don't think I even made it past the first wave so did you you made it past the mothership once didn't you yeah a couple times i actually made it to the first challenge screen once and died okay. immediately and, refresh uh, my yeah. memory what is the challenge screen so after you go through all five waves twice you get a challenge screen what the first one was was all of the uh, guys were coming up from the bottom at you rising up from below you and they killed me immediately so i didn't get any further than that but and apparently, um, Eric Omont just about made the third challenge screen, but he never did. So every wrapping through the waves twice brings a challenge screen. Well, if Eric, Eric's around, if, if he's around in the chat there, I wouldn't mind hearing what the second challenge screen is like. Because from the description of the manual, it sounds like they actually might be different. Uh, he talked about it on Discord. It's something to do with the eggs. Okay. Let me just look that up. Because I don't think I ever got to the second screen, even back, I checked the second challenge screen, even back in the day. 
Okay, here we go. A bit of a spoiler. The first challenge has a set of birds coming from under the screen. The second challenge has four eggs, but your controls are inverted. <laughs> and he suspects the third would be different, um, a, a different formation of the rising flock, but not sure. And then I closed the uh, scores, so he responded with a picture of Luke Skywalker screaming, no. <laughs> <laughs> So any any tips and tricks here? I mean, the one thing that I would offer as a tip, especially for people that have never played it before, is know the fact that you actually have shields. Um, yeah, it took me a few plays before I actually figured out I had shields. But the great thing about the shields is they're unlimited. I mean, you can't use them one right after another, but yeah. they are unlimited. You never run out of the ability to use them. Uh, the only drawback is that you can't move when you're using them. You can still shoot, but... Yeah, and sometimes you get a bird rover, you just send a torrent of continuous bullets at you, so you know you're going to die. Yeah. Other times they might wander off. Yeah, my favorite part is when you hit his shield right before the guy is about to hit you, and then he splits, you know, is that the egg splits and he dies. Yeah. And you're fine. So that that was always fun back in the day. Um, fact, I sometimes I did that on purpose to take care of the last guy. I wouldn't even shoot him. I would just purposely wait for him to come down. And I did find that the shields were the best way to defeat the mothership if you just shoot through its bottom shield thing and then just sit there and hammer the uh, rotating shield and every time a bird is swooping down towards you hit your shield and then if he shoots at you you don't have to move you can just keep continually firing upwards yeah i'm trying to remember my strategy in the mothership i think basically i just went back and forth between two spots one at the center and then one off to the side a little bit and I just alternate because it wherever you shoot the ship, it drops a, a chunk of the ship at you that might kill you. Yeah, until you get through the uh, bottom part. When you went, get to the rotating, um, yeah, then you can just shield, rapid you fire can just through it. Hammer it because it doesn't drop anything anymore. And if you take too long, the ship comes down and kills you anyway. So. Yeah, and if the ship makes it to the bottom of the screen, no matter how many men you have left, your game's over. Yeah, which I think Nick duplicated on his last level of Space Intruders too. He did kind of the same mechanic. Mm -hmm. You mean? Stole, not duplicated. <laughs> <laughs> Paid homage to. Oh yeah, there, there we go. That's a, that's a good word for it. Jim Rye has a tip. He said, "Learn not to accidentally trigger the shields." That is very true. I remember that from back in the day. We'd be like, you know, getting frantic in the game. And you'd push the joystick up just a little bit, and now all of a sudden you're because you freeze when you do the shield. Yeah, the shield stays on for a couple seconds, but you no longer can move. So all of a sudden, you might be in a bad position. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they uh, the enemies uh, take advantage of you when you turn on the on the shields. They do because oh, they yeah. freeze also. So if you have one coming in right at you, and you hit the shields because you can't shoot him before he hits you, he'll stop and wait there for you until your shields are good done, and then as soon as your shields go away, bam, right into you and you're dead. Yeah, if I remember correctly, though, they always go at the same trajectory. They don't switch direction. So if you know he's coming down to the right, for example, and you're a little bit to the right of him, and just hold your joystick left, so you're going the immediate opposite direction. They don't change. They also, they go faster than you. Yeah, but you might have a chance of you going can, away. You can get out of that a little. Yeah, I've depends on how low times. the screen are when they froze. Yeah. Also, yeah. when they come off the bottom of the screen, they always come back in the top of the same trajectory and position as they went off the bottom. So you can kind of predict where they're going to come through. If you want to try to catch them with a shot before they start, you know, moving back and forth again. But other than that, um, yeah, the, there was definitely the don't die um, uh, suggestion being made quite a bit for how to do better in the game. 
a wee bit of sarcasm. <laughs> Even if based in truth. <laughs> it's true for most games, don't die, but some games, it's an advantage. We were actually talking mm -hmm. about that the other day. Uh, yeah, zero hour. There's certain zero screens hour, that it's can, actually advantageous to kill yourself to an, get the. It's an advantage time. to kill yourself on some screens to get off them quicker. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Anybody else have anything to say about this game? It was a good one. I enjoyed it. It was nice and close to the arcade game. Yeah, I greatly enjoyed the arcade game when it first came out too. Because I mean, I was used to Galaxian stuff, but Phoenix had enough different things. Like the fact that you can wound a bird, like on the third and fourth levels, where you can like mm -hmm. shoot a wing off, and if you shoot both wings off, it reverts to an egg briefly, so that you know it's not firing at you anymore or dive bombing you. So, and a lot um, easier yeah. to kill the eggs than it is to kill the birds. Yeah, one, one one other tip I would say is, especially on the third and fourth screens, is don't just sit there and hammer the fire button. Pick your shots, because then you can take care of them a lot faster. At least yeah. that's what yeah. I remember doing back in the day. Yeah, also, uh, when, when you shoot a wing off, it makes them easier to hit. And when you're all the way left and all the way right, they, they, can't, can't, hit shoot, they, they can't hit you. Well, they can, they can hit when, you, they can't shoot you. Well, yeah, they can't shoot you when they're going back and forth across the top. I mean, as they're flying down, they can shoot you, but as they're going back and forth across the top, they can't shoot you. Yeah. yeah. Hey, good game. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't have time to participate. Uh -huh. I, didn't even get it. I didn't even have enough time to watch the rest of the stream. I was planning on trying to get back and I just, you know, work, work was too much. So oh. I yeah. I was given a recommendation by the uh, game on high challenge or the game on high ca uh, council. Uh, when you show up at uh, Coco Fest, we're supposed to tie you down and take all the games that are be played for the next year. And you're to make a uh, video and uh, gameplay of each one so that we have them throughout the year. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't mind doing that because that's probably the only real time I'll have to play them. So, oh, great! So I have to pick games for the next year. Oh. <laughs> no, the the game on uh, challenge high council has to pick them for the next year. Oh yes, right. So that's Sloopy. Okay, get on it, Sloopy. <laughs> so whoa, 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 whoa! Don't don't accuse me. I I get in enough trouble by myself. <laughs> and uh, Erico did uh, actually. Uh, play one of his higher scoring games during the uh, stream. I think he played right through the stream and after it, didn't he? So he actually yeah. showed some of the challenge stages in there. Yeah, yeah. his thirty yeah, his thirty nine thousand point game was um he tried streaming, but for some reason the stream wasn't coming through and it was just showing the spinning squares. But he tried. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but his earlier his earlier attempts, it, yeah, I think it was like a twenty thousand uh, point and uh, and a, or low thirty thousand point score that that it does show on the uh, stream. And one of the reasons that he did that good was because that was his favorite game when he was younger. Him and his brother played it. I think yeah. he said, didn't he? So yes, he had a lot of practice playing the game, so he knew all the tips and tricks. <laughs> yeah, he was a pro. Yeah, so he was the ringer for the. Uh, day cool oh good game 
And then as we said, next week is going to be Coco Fest. So I have chosen two games to play over the next two weeks. And the first one, sticking with the... Color scripts uh, it. Oh, you're ruining my thunder, Sloopy. <laughs> the first one, sticking with the arcade ports, is here. Oh, pa Paper Route. Yep. Based on the arcade game Paper Boy. So show you the title screen there so everybody see what the actual game is called so paper route we'll try it that's out a bit of a hack out. screen isn't it <laughs> a little bit I think. seven million points i'm not going to get into the top 10 no uh well i'm not going to get into the top four i can pretty much guarantee that i like jim rye's comment he says oh good i get to do my old job for entertainment yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, I can hard to see. Except the you thing to... that is, you always got fired from your old job if you winged somebody in the head with a newspaper. This one, you get points. No. Sorry, Rick, what were you saying? Uh, so you, I can already see you can't just run down the left side of the sidewalk to cheat the game. <laughs> there, there are versions of this where you can do that. Uh -huh. And the second game that we're going to play just to get people into, uh, I don't know, how do you say it? The mood for going to Coco Fest. We're gonna revisit a classic. What's this? I've now, never seen the, it before. What's the, what's the real game? I think this one's called Close Encounters of the Couch Kind, isn't it? This was a game? That's Curtis's car. That's the couch that we're hopefully not gonna hit. And if you can see on the right beside the right tire, front tire there, you can see Ken's airbag going off. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that of of course, of course, is Nightmare Highway. Now, a question for you, Ken. I know we haven't discussed this before or with anybody. Yeah. I would like to see, and I don't know who can host it at the fest, but I would like to see a couple couples set up with these two games because some of the people that go to the fest don't get on the show, etc. And just see what kind of scores they can have. Maybe, you know, they can take a picture with their phone there at, and play it live at the show and see if we can get some other people like interested in, in the game on challenge. And then maybe they can start, you know, regularly attending the streams. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, we'll need to find some people with some Coco set up that wouldn't mind doing that. Jason? Yeah. Or even an emulator and, if you have a proper joystick, et cetera. Yeah. And yeah, have a uh, emulation set up. Um, because I mean, the majority of the people that on on the um, the live show are using emulators. So yeah, having true. an emulator set up in addition to a uh, real computer would also be a good idea. Yeah, and, I'm uh, guessing, at least in my case, I think it's probably for quite a few <coughs> people that use emulators on the live streams. Is because we don't have the hardware to actually stream into a, a PC or something to do off of the real hardware. Right. But yeah, I'd, like, I'd love to see that because we've we've done some game playing stuff at some past Coco Fest and even Rainbow Fest back in the day. <clears throat> but to have the two official games in this case, and probably every Coco Fest will do two because it's you know a two week period. I, I'd love to see that where people can live play the games and kind of see how they compete with the uh, the diehards that you know actually attend our streams. Mm -hmm. I'll see what I can do about having a uh, computer set up with uh, one of the games. So if not a computer, you've heard, I'll you've definitely... heard it here. If you uh, would like to um, have a setup at one of, if you have a booth, then 
or even if you don't have a booth, if you can uh, set a computer up at somebody's booth to. Yep. We can even do it after hours. Like if people's computers are dedicated to running their booth displays, et cetera, like after the show's officially over yeah. waiting for like the Saturday supper or something, you know, fire up a few of these games on multiple machines and just let people go. And then, you know, just take screenshots as we go and have them submitted to the Biosquare challenge for the following week. So the Saturday supper is up before or after David Ladd's in the pool. <laughs> he's not even here to defend himself either. Well, if he's going to be in a speedo, I hope it's right. before he could no, after I don't I know. Hope it's foggy. Worse, losing your how about how about how about, the, how about how about he goes to the pool on Tuesday? <laughs> you know, if I know I'm going to see David Ladd in a speedo, I might be trying to hit couches on the way down there on purpose, Ken. So. <laughs> I also should mention, too, for anybody who wants to do any hosting of, of machines at the show, that both of these games will run on a Cocoa 1, 2, or 3. So no Cocoa 3 required. Um, What's the memory requirement? Uh, paper Route is 64K, and a joystick Nightmare Highway is it's 16 or 32K. I don't think Probably it's 64. we knew the author of Nightmare Highway, we could ask him. Or Jason, yeah. do you know off the top of your head? To the I don't know off the top of my head. I think it's 16K. I think, I, I think so, but that just just to clarify, that's you know that's my brother, not me. But I think it's sixteen. But I'm, yes, I'm I'm sure I'm sure I could make a call if I have to. Yeah, there's a rumor going around that you know him or something. Yeah, that that is a vicious vicious rumor. He knows of it's it. a lie. I, I can I cannot I can neither confirm nor deny that. Uh, yeah, I thought I I thought I was told that you met him back in the '90s or something once or twice. Also, Alan mentioned the chatter too. You can also play with XRA online. So, if we just want to take a modern machine and fire up a browser, they can do it that way. And you can also show it off on tablets and phones using the archives play now feature because it actually will run it even on a browser on a, on a tablet or phone. So, I don't know if I'd want to try to play some of these games on a phone that's probably a bit too small of a screen and trying to use you know, swipe. So, whose phone do we all hotspot to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it would be kind of fun to, to try to do that live. Like we did it a little bit the one a couple of years ago because I know we were pl randomly playing games and then people could write their name on a whiteboard type thing, what their score was. And then somebody else would come afterward and race them with great vigor and happiness as they beat their score, et cetera. So that was great until they found the marker that wasn't dry erase. So I remember if I remember correctly, there was we were playing Zaxxon or something and I got a pretty decent score and put it up. And like 10 seconds later, Jacob Moore came over and raced it and like tripled my score. So That'd be fun. Uh, young whippersnapper. Yeah, he's, he's he's young and got reflexes. Wisdom doesn't help, unfortunately, on uh, arcade games. Well, oh, maybe I, a little bit. I guess we should also mention that there is a link in the chat now of where you can go to get Nightmare Highway if you do not already have it. Cool. So they can practice in the meantime. I'm not, is what I'm you're not saying. even sure that Nightmare Highway is on the archive, is it? Uh, the original version might be. There's a, there's a free version, and then there's a Paid the Power Coco, of Terry Co bonus version. Yeah, the, the Power of Terry Coco Fest edition, which is uh, got a I think, little yeah. bit of an extra bonus in it. So, right. But either either uh, version is fine for submitting scores. Right. If you get the paid version of you have a you have a slight advantage. A slight advantage, but not huge. You could get very, a few more points. Very, very, very slight. 
Okay. Well, thanks for picking out those two games there. Um, are you have you got your know, plans for the next few here? Or are you kind of winging it every week, or do you need more suggestions from the public? Oh, I'm always good for a few suggestions. Um, I'm mostly winging it. I have a few in the uh, backup file of uh, games to play if I can't come up with something at the last minute. But, and if, if people do want to send suggestions, is there a list of what we've already covered and also who, where should they send the suggestions to? Uh, they can just uh, message me in Discord. I'm under Canadian Retro Things on there. Um, there is, I always post an updated list almost every week of the games that we've played to this point. But just because we played a game, if there's enough... Uh, request for it, we can play a game again. I mean, we're, we're 116 or 17 games in now, so. Oh, there's lots still more to cover. Oh, there's still lots <laughs> to cover, but uh, and, and a lot of them definitely aren't... some of the uh, gems of the Coco we've played already, and if people are wanting to, and, and we've also played Nightmare Highway before. <laughs> Have we played all the games on Curtis's website yet? Nope. And I've still got, you know, as many more games to add when I get time. So, and there's new games coming out every year too. So, I mean, that's, it's a, it's a non-move, it's like a moving target. Yes. Yeah, I would prefer not to cover. Out. Yeah. I would prefer not to cover ones we've already covered quite yet. Cause we're only like literally one tenth into the library. Well, yeah. But, but yeah, for special occasions, like for special case, occasions like this. Yeah. Um, this is the first Cocoa Fest where us Canadians can even make it down. So exactly. yeah. How we so we're just praying. We're not going to hit any couches. Yeah. Geese, maybe, but not coaches. Oh, we've got we've got plenty of Canadian geese down here. You can take some back with you if you want. Oh, we got plenty up here too. Trust me. <laughs> Even the pelicans are back here at the river. So they they probably don't have the proper documentation to get over the border. So yeah, have to wear masks. That's what they'll have to do. And that quarantine for bird flu and COVID. Yeah, actually, that's hitting us pretty hard up here too. Yep. We just had a. Uh, bylaw put in that you have to bring in all your bird feeders yep we did we got that passed too anyway i think that's it for the uh game on challenge so uh did you want to run a commercial before we get on to the game on news the regular news yeah <laughs> hey uh, i'm coming i'm, uh, uh, I'm wait, sorry wait, wake up from your nap post <laughs> Somebody get somebody get Mark B a coffee, please. Yeah, uh, we get we craft services over here. Okay, I'm back here. I'm back. Uh, commercial, you say? Yeah, and then we'll go on to the game on news and the regular news. Okay. Good morning, Coco Land. This is Brian Schubring with Music Man here at the Coco Fest, having fun, fixing issues, and making things roll and making lots of sound. Have a great day, guys. The music is back.
As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord. Let the Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. At GSoft... We make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Everybody's favorite segment, the Game On News. Take it away, Curtis. Okay, I'll be doing a bit of screen hopping here, just to give more to you guys. Nick Marendis was going to help me with one thing, but he hasn't made the show today, so. Okay, you guys seeing that? Sibling Rivalry. Yeah, so Tim and AJ, of course, are doing their weekly series, Sibling Rivalry. And and last week, they released uh, a little bit too late for me to give it in the news for Mark. But uh, they did their color computer, Castle Guard. Um, And now this is a game. And there's there's been a few others like this in the past we've done before, too. This is a game where it has single player and double player modes. And uh, it really doesn't play well as a single player game. It's kind of... The, the, the computer's a little bit too good, basically, is what happens. And basically, it's not that much fun. It's much more fun when you got two people, because, of course, you can swing. You're trying to, like, deke the other person out where you're going to let go and let the fireball go, and you might actually hit your own castle and sink it down. So it's uh, basically based on uh, the old Warlords game from uh, Atari. But uh, in two-player mode, this game's actually a lot of fun. And graphically, this doesn't quite do it justice, 
Um, but the uh, artifacting colors, this is one of the games that Tandy put out that actually used all the extra artifacting colors with the cross. We get yellows and purples and all kinds of things, which aren't fully showing up here on the video. But uh, it, it's a game that if you have somebody physically with you to play, it's a lot of fun. If you're just playing it solo, it's kind of dull and boring. And of course, they usually have their, their witty banter going back and forth, uh, insulting each other, et cetera, which is great. Um, they also just released yesterday an Atari 2600 game, um, which actually bears a bit of resemblance to a game that Terry Steen we had on during his interview. So they did uh, the Atari 2600 version of Outlaw, which is basically two gunfighters on the other side. And that's based on the same arcade game that uh, Terry Steen's Gunfighter was based on that we covered during the Terry Steen interview. So you got that one to look forward to as well. So thanks for... Now, does anybody know, is, is Tim or AJ making it down to the fest? I know they were kind of talking about it at one point. I, I didn't catch last week if they mentioned anything to any of you guys or anyone? Uh, I last week, think they, yeah, I think they just kind of, I, if I understood what they were saying properly, it almost sounded like they would were, were going to be there, but I can't say for 100% sure. Okay, last anybody else? Tim. Would Last I checked with Tim a couple, um, couple weeks ago. He was, uh, I think he was trying to see if he can get time off from work. He has kind of a new job. Okay. Yeah, it'd be great to have them down there to actually have a little, like, we, since we're having a game on challenge, we're going to try to do some of that stuff live at the show there. It'd be fun to have them there too, maybe even doing the same games that we're going to be participating in and having them swear back and forth at each other live would be awesome. That'd make for a great live stream, I'm figuring. The rest of us can join in too. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, go check out the episode there it's a lot of fun you can see they're having fun here on the screen too so it's one of those games works great as two player not so much as a single yeah i'd pay for the rum in their coconuts to uh watch them play live <laughs> next up we got a batch of jim gary games here uh, he's been busy he took a few weeks off there a month or two back and he's definitely making up for it so the first one here is called star traders by dave kaufman uh, this is an updated version from David's original 1973 basic space trader simulation game. So this is an old program, you know, pre-microcomputer type thing. Um, so Jim has added some little low-res graphics and stuff in here, too, to make it a bit, you know, more advanced than the original text-based terminal that it was. And then there's tons of versions of these games for, well, pretty well every computer. But you can see here he's added a little bit of, you know, graphics up in the corner there and Nice little formatting with inverse video, et cetera, too. So if you're into these simulation type games, and these were kind of popular in BBSs and stuff at the time, especially the multiplayer ones you could take turns on. This is going back to the, uh, you know, one of the first ones that came out for this type of thing, you know, like the original Star Trek. Next one he did here is a um, bubble bop of a graphic demo. Now there's two, two parts. There's one, he's drawing a pretty cool looking simulation in low res of one of the characters from the bubble bobble game, arcade game. But two, he's actually using a, a compression technique here. So these actually get compressed into strings that are shorter than the screen itself or the, the size of the shape itself. So it's actually got data compression built into it too. It doesn't go the quickest, but if you wanted to fit more shapes into the limited memory of an MC10, if you only had a 4K or you know the 20K expansion instead of the newer 32K ones, you could actually fit more graphics in here. So I'll, I'll run this one here. And this was originally done uh, I'm, I can't remember the name of the person that did it, but uh, it's been done on a, a different platform entirely. You kind of ported it over here. So that's one of the characters from the Bubble Bubble Arcade game, for those of you that are familiar with it. 
But if you take a look at the code there, that's uh, kind of got these little hourly compression type strings at the top there. So the amount of data you would normally have to have in strings to make that would be multiple lines long. And uh, this compresses it quite well. So you could actually fit some pretty decent looking graphics. Unfortunately, because of the decompression, it's not that fast. So I don't think you'd be drawing like your know, arcade games using this technique. But if you wanted to do some, uh, you know, graphical adventure games type thing, you could compress your scenes and actually for quite a few scenes, even in a 16K expanded machine. Next, uh, artificial intelligence knots and crosses. We covered knots and crosses, but basically X's and O's uh, not too long ago when he did it. But this is a, a new version that he's converted over uh, originally by Trevor Lusty in Practical Computing Magazine in September of 1979. Now, this version actually is an early, a version that has some early AI programming. So it doesn't just have a set bunch of rules that it tries to play against you, like that you play against a computer, <clears throat> but it also actually learns as it goes and kind of learns better techniques as you keep playing. So it gets smarter and smarter. So it's a very early 1979 AI1 uh, based program that it actually is converted over to the MC10 too. So I think for those of you who want to learn like the origins of AI, it'd be pretty interesting just to go through the listing to see how he's programmed it, how the original programmer programmed it to uh, do the artificial intelligence and learning as it goes. And because it's, yeah, it's trying to show like how it learns too, it's like an 11 minute gameplay video. So obviously I'm not going to play the whole thing here. And next up, he's got a one-liner basic program here. Uh, and this is converted from a C64 game. Um, and there's the one line. That's a, not even full, a full line. It's actually only using about half of it. Now, is there another one-liner programming contest going on right now? Is that why he's doing this? Does anybody know? I haven't had a chance to pay attention to the one-liner website lately to see if they've uh, got a new competition going on at the moment. It looks to be one of those, you know, steer between obstacles type thing, a basic. But judging the fact he's using peaks and stuff, I'm guessing he's actually got like key repeat and stuff enabled this instead of that, tapping the key, but I haven't tried it yet to, to make sure. But not bad for like, you know, 100 bytes of code, basically. Okay, the next one, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to save one for last here. Those really don't look like couches. <laughs> They're, they're couches after they've been splatted already. They're kind of seeing they're, a flattened version. They're Ottomans. After, they're after yeah, Terry's been go. through. <laughs> they're Ottomans. I like that. <laughs> Reminds me of the Bare Naked Ladies song. Okay, next up, we've got uh, Carl, or sorry, uh, Paris Surratt and Keys Van Oss have released the next AGD conversion pack, number 55. And this is the second one of these that support the new additions to the engine they've done for doing mini sprites, because normally there was a fixed size sprite. And now they have the ability to do smaller sprites, but you can have more of them and still run at a decent speed. So they've got six more games converted over. So there's Armored Side A, Armored Side B, Frantic Pengo, Road Trip in Two Coast to Coast, The Castle of Dr. Game, and UFO Invaders. And uh, I, I'm not sure why, like he normally has been posting on these with screenshots on the Dragon form, but now he's been lately doing it on RetroWiki, which is not a native English site. So it's a little bit harder to read for some of us English speakers. Hopefully he starts picking him back up on the, the Dragon form as well. But I'll throw you some screenshots here. So this is the intro screen for Armored. And the instruction screen basically there. And then some of the gameplay with some of these smaller sprites that are running around. So Ken, here's some more games for you to try the game on challenge at some point. 
that's Armored Part 2, which definitely looks like a sequel. The Castle of Dr. Game. Once again, we have a bunch of the smaller sprites running around. This is Frantic Pengo. So it looks like it's kind of like using some of the shapes from like Pac-Man. It looks like ghosts and stuff there, but I think it's the same gameplay as Pengo. I haven't tried this one yet, but basically push the ice blocks and crush the monsters with it. And then, you know, various patterns for each level. Road trip in 22, coast to coast. So this is how some people arrive at Cocoa Fest on little mopeds. And with a big backpack carrying their cocoa. So this might be applicable like a network highway style game. This one looks a bit more intriguing. Like I'm not quite sure what exactly is going on here. If you have to like navigate between the platforms and maybe open those little doors or pits or whatever they are to go to the levels above and below. So that, this is one I'll have to try when I get some time. And then UFO invaders, which is basically space invaders with the smaller sprites. So yeah, that game pack is available, uh, available for the Dragon, available for the Coco, converted from the uh, Spectrum, 48K Spectrum in particular, uh, using the, their AGG game design engine. So you can go grab those. Now, Taylor and Amy show put out another video today, or uh, just a couple days ago, and they got into character on this one. So they're covering the Ghostbuster game, which was available on multiple platforms. They don't have all the platforms it was available on. So they did the Atari 2600 version, which actually had problems getting it to run. Um, but then they played the uh, ZX Spectrum and the Commodore 64 version. The C64 version is far better than the other uh, Spectrum version because it has a SID chip for you know, multi-voice background music, better graphics, et cetera, sprites. And then they played a Coca-2 version. Now this kind of, I, I was talking to Nick Morendi's about this and we're going, what Ghostbusters, the Coca-2? That game was never ported to the Coca-2. So they managed to somehow find a basic game that somebody had written of Ghostbusters. So of course it's not even close to the arcade <laughs> and it's uh, you know quite slow and not as graphically impressive as uh, any of the other versions type thing. But the fact that they did it with their uniforms on in character was awesome. So definitely go check this video, it's hilarious. And the Coca version at the end here, um, is basically just like I said, it's a basic game. They, they tried playing it. Of course, it doesn't bear much resemblance to the arcade game, but you know, not a bad try. They did some, you know, semi decent graphics for just writing it in basic type thing. So and it's, a, it's a fun video to watch. And of course, we're great fans of their show. And they usually pop into chat and say hi for us, us too. In fact, I think they just did. Someday we have to get you guys or you two out to a fest too, I think, here. Costume optional. Next up, we have a channel I've not heard of before. He's going through Dungeons of Daggerath, and this is the first of a series of videos he's planning to do. This is level one, the basics. Uh, Local Lobo the 13th. I'm not quite sure where he came from, but uh, he's also not running like the stock Daggerath. He's actually got kind of some additionals to it. And I've, I haven't played the PC one in a while, so I can't remember what extra options were on there or if it had this kind of a copyright message on it. But it actually had some extra stuff, like you can type help to get help with the keys in the game itself. Now, I know uh, William Astle, Lost Wizard, has done some modifications to Dagrath. So does anybody know if he had a help system built into the Coco version or if the, um, I think it was Mike Spencer, 
or Mark Spencer that did the uh, PC part of it, if that was built in there too. I haven't played either of those in so long, I don't remember. Does anybody else uh, remember? I think the updates that William Astell did were just like some fixes or some glitch things that were cleaned up. So he has the uh, straightly, straight uh, de-assembled, disassembled code, and then he has like some of some uh, patches for bugs, but I don't think there's been any additional features added. Okay, because this one here, like when he actually starts the game up and gets off the demo screen, it actually says type H, then enter for help. That's not part of the original dagger app at all. You had to be a real man and, you know, or woman and actually read the manual to figure out all the commands, so. Just have the manual in front of you the whole time. <laughs> well, you get used to it after a while. I didn't need the manual after a while, but if you're just coming at it, you know, raw and you've never played the game before, you that, need to learn that is a the commands. Somewhere nearby. But he kind of does it as a tutorial play. Like he's kind of describing, you know, some of the stuff he learned because he used to play this back in the day. In fact, he, he mentions in the comments that he was like eight, years old roughly when he when he started playing it back in the day and now he's been playing it again and his goal is to actually go through the whole game and win it which i don't think he's actually done he's killed the fake wizard once before i believe so he's been on to like level four uh but i don't think he's killed the final kind of final wizard before and that last ring to encant to win the game you have to have a pretty decent dictionary to figure out what the incantation is but i mean dagrath's a classic I mean, you talk to almost every programmer on the coco that wrote games even if they don't play them this is the exception. Most of them played this game. It's it's still one of the best Coco unique games and good enough that it's been ported to the PC. Now, the last one's a little bit sad. Um, this is an update from Glenn Hewlett. He's been working on the Robotron port and now he's stopped. Um, as he called it, this last update, he's gotten tired, burned out of working on it. He's still got, like he didn't get all the sound in there yet. He's got some slowdowns. Now, Robotron, I was kind of suspecting that would happen because Robotron's pretty intense, especially on later levels. There's a ton of stuff moving on the screen, tons of sprites. Um, so I'm not surprised that he couldn't quite get it up to stuff. But basically, he's burned himself on. He says, I don't want to do it anymore. But he has released the disk image, and it's basically playable. I mean, not all the sound effects are there. There's a few graphic glitches, like there's some inverse blocks that show up every once in a while. It slows down and stutters in certain places where there's a ton of stuff going on. But basically, the entire game is playable. I mean, you can actually download the disk image um, from his GitHub and, and grab it. Um, when I get a little bit of time after the fest, so probably maybe June-ish or something, I might take a look to see if I can, he's going to send me the source code at that point, and I'll see if I can figure out some things to optimize it. Or I might just say, you know what, let's make this six or nine, just kick it in native mode. That'll give me an extra 10 to 15% and then see if there's any bugs I can fix and maybe get it up to speed. So you might need a six or a nine if I, if I do get a chance to take a look at it to run it full speed. So that's what I'm hoping to do. Or if I'm lucky enough, I can figure out some optimizations. Glenn's pretty good at optimizations, so it's I don't know how much I'd find. I found a few little tiny things in Defender when he sent me the source, uh, but they weren't huge. So uh, the slowdowns he's talking about here because of how many sprites are on the screen, I'm guessing those little bits, if I do find any, probably won't be enough. But uh, it might, might might be a 6 or 9 native mode game, which is what Nick's been doing for stuff like you know Zero Hour and stuff, and it actually does play a fair bit smoother, so we'll shoot for that. But I did want to show, uh, now Randy's was supposed to be on the call here today to do the demo for me, so I don't have to switch through windows here, but uh, I will just, because those of you have not seen it. He just didn't wake up this morning. Yeah, I'm guessing, well, I know he was, he was catching a cold or something too, so he was feeling a little bit ill when I talked to him yesterday, I think it was, so he wasn't sure. Uh, but let me share the screen here. Whoops. Trying to remember where keys are on emulators, depending which emulator you're running. 
And as usually as a splash screen in low res, actually try to duplicate the font in the original arcade game like you did with Joe's Defender, which is always cool. I use that D zip routine, I think, too, to compress it because the sound effects and uh, samples and stuff are quite huge. And he tries to get his games to fit on a single disc image. And my VCC just crashed. <laughs> So I may not be able to demo this. Maybe try a different version of VCC, maybe. I, I won't be able to play the game because it requires two joysticks, just like the arcade game did. And I don't have any, I don't have two joystick adapters for my Mac here to even attempt that. Um, but I'm hoping just to let the, uh, the the demo run, which will show you a little bit of the graphical glitches as well as the, uh, you know, basically the game running. Heard some banging. Somebody doing something? If this doesn't work, I'll just have to skip it for now. One thing he mentions, I'll just talk about what's loading here. I'll quote his blog post. So he says, the main thing I was fighting with the game was some slowdowns that occur in the game when there are tons of enemies firing at you. It doesn't exactly seem like it's a problem with the Coco 3 drawing the sprites. It seems to slow down and then speed up even when the same amount of shots are on the screen. It might be some... Ah, I crashed again. Okay, I guess I can't show you the live one. Oh, well. Um... It might be some code that is looping more at certain times when the enemies are firing something else. I've done many things to try and figure it out, but I decided it's going to have to be like that. So like I said, I'll take a stab at it a little bit later and see if I can figure out a way to get it to run. Um, maybe putting it in 6 or 9 mode might actually be enough, but we'll have to find out. But I won't be doing any of that until well after the fest. Plus, I'm trying to get the next Nitrous 9 out. I'm supposed to get back on the pet ski, blah, blah, blah. So. Anyway, that's it for the Game On news for this week. Did you want me to go straight into the regular news? Or, or sure, do why a not? little blurb in front of it or something? Um, okay, here we go. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Curtis And now a Muppet News Flash. All right, the Muppet's done. It's done? Yep. The Muppet okay. is done. Okay. Okay, you guys seeing that? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Okay, so first up, David Irish posted in the Color Computer Facebook group uh, and a discussion that has kind of happened before, um, probably a couple of years ago, but basically he's, he's proposing doing an, a Raspberry Pi project using the Twister OS. And basically what he wants to do is he wants to do the equivalent of what if Tandy had kept the Coco going, but using modern hardware. So he wants kind of a programming environment feel that is similar to what the Coco might've progressed to, but using more modern tools, more modern operating systems, more modern basics. And I know this has been discussed and done before. And uh, I don't think he was around for the original discussions on this. Cause a lot of people said, well, if you want to do that, why don't you just pick a modern platform period that, you know, has pretty easy programming type style or more of a basic style for the Coco or similar to the Coco and just do that rather than trying to reinvent it 
by taking these utilities and, and languages he's talking about and then you know tweaking them to look more cocoa like um and then of course there's also the argument yeah if you just need speed to make an arcade game on a cocoa using you know uh faster graphics and normally you can just overclock an emulator and do the same thing so this has been something that's been discussed numerous times um, but it's, 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 it's interesting for those who have not seen that kind of discussion before you can get involved in discussion here on Facebook. Um, and I mean, the one thing that I've seen is that when people have come up with this idea before is that they don't usually follow through and finish it off. So if he actually did do that, it might be kind of interesting. And I know Stevie's even talked about it. Like he's got that, what's included with the raspberry or the cocoa pie. Now I think it's uh QBasic 64 or something like that, which is kind of Stevie going off in that direction of, you know, getting something that was based on a Microsoft basic. So it's fairly familiar to people that have run Microsoft basic before. It's also structured basic. So it's, it's more similar to basic nine. So if you're coming from that side of things, it also feels somewhat familiar. So it's kind of going along the same, same route, but uh, he gives his thoughts on this and it's been some pretty good discussion on it already here too. So feel free to join in. Next up, we have a follow-up uh, video and post uh, by Brennan Donahue. So what he's been doing, we announced a couple weeks ago, is that he's working on extensions to BASIC if you have a 64K Cocoa 1 or 2 to make new BASIC commands that will let you ac access a lot of the features on the Cocoa VJ, including programmable character sets, switching palettes, uh, switching to 64 by 32 column mode, switching your upper lowercase, et cetera. So he's made version two of this, or point two, I should say, and he does a little demo here of, of some of the stuff that he's actually got it running. Now, it's a pretty long video. It's seven minutes long, so I'm not going to play the whole thing here. You'll have to go check it out with the links in the, uh, the news topics uh, group in the uh, Discord. Uh, but he also has an available downloadable disk image now that you can grab off of his site as well that actually has the disk image with the patches to basic and some demo programs showing how to use it. So um, to grab that, you can go here, and it's the very first thing listed right here, and he's actually got documentation you can download as well, giving a list of all the commands and how they work, what the parameters are. I will play a little bit of this here just to kind of show a little bit of an action. So you can see some of the, the basic stuff there, the actual utility to add the commands, basically and some actual sample programs to do it. And here you can see he's already fiddled with some of the palette things and palette animations and stuff there too. semi-graphics um, got wiped out by basically walking through all of the palette slots, replacing all of them except one with gray, right? And the one that's not is cyan and sort of does a tumbling semi-graphics. Um. So what is happening here, in case it's not obvious from looking at it, the animation of those little semi-graphics characters going across is not actually being redrawn. That's just palette changes. So he's actually created you know, multiple color slots, use drawing all these different things, and then he's just rotating through the palettes. And it's the same type of animation you'd be doing like Color Max 3 Deluxe or Coco Max 3 type thing where you can, or even in basic for that matter, where you can animate, you know, rocket flames or moving ships just by drawing the shapes next to each other in different colors. And then you set them all to black or whatever your background color is. And then you just start, you know, the first one, I'll turn it on to whatever color. The second one, I'll turn it on to that same color while shutting the first one off. And it makes it look like it's moving without having to redraw anything at all. So you can do very, very fast animations on this. And um, I mean, Zero Hours used this in certain spots and, and a lot of Nick's games. If you remember in um, Popstar Pilot, the uh, water animation when you're on level four, for those of you who've seen it, where the water levels are going up and down, that actually is totally with palette. 
He's just changing black to blue, depending on how far or how many scan lines down the screen it is. He's not redrawing any of that at all. So that type of technique can, I remember when the Cocoa 3 first came out because we were kind of hitting the limits of basic as far as how fast you can get graphics to go. And the Cocoa 3 was looking like, you know, when we first heard about it, okay, you've got a new high-res screen. It's got 16 colors. It's higher res and it's got like four or five times the memory to draw. We've got a double speed CPU. So I'm going to gain twice as much speed. I'm going to lose 500% because now I've got so many graphics to draw. There's so much memory to write to. Well, the palette animation made up a lot of that because basically that took like one poke or you know palette command itself. And voila, you could literally change every pixel on the screen. If they're all the one color, it'll instantly change everything of that color to a different color. And you can do all kinds of animation and flashing techniques and lightning strikes and all kinds of things very, very easily. And a lot of people, if you look in the, like the 86 to 88 rainbows in particular, there's a lot of people that did that. I remember Rick Adams and Dale Lear did a, a palette animation, I think in October 86 issue. So just after the Coco Free came out, they already had palette animations going on. So it's really cool that uh, Brendan is not requiring people to learn machine language or how to interface with machine language routines. He's just adding new commands to basics. So if you have a Coco VGA, you can just run this little program first. And then your game can run with, you know, redefined character sets and palettes and all kinds of things. So he's making it much easier for these programmers to access a lot of the power of the Cocoa VJ. So I'm really looking forward to this, this project continuing on. And as he adds new features to the Cocoa VJ, you just add in some more basic commands. So highly recommend it if you have a Cocoa VJ. Next up, I will uh, mute this and let Ken talk about what's going on here. Okay. Um, oh, that's my video. Okay. Uh, yeah. So basically, um, just to get into the mood for uh, our uh, talk that we're doing at Coco Fest next week, I did a beginner's um, introduction to doing some simple graphics in Basic 09 using some of the GFX2 commands, um, making a graphics screen, different types of graphics screens that you can make, and uh, yeah. So, I don't know. That's the, the video that I did. Drawing some simple shapes like lines, uh, squares, circles, uh, a little house. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of fun to, to do that too. I mean, there's a couple of different ways to do this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this is by far the easiest because you can type in commands in English. You can go slightly faster, like if you're really trying to optimize speed on something by predefining byte arrays and, you know, putting in the right values for the escape code sequences. But that's a lot harder. Remember, you have to memorize all the stupid commands like a 1B24 is a DWN, you know, because I'm a complete nerd geek. I do remember these stupid things, but uh, for normal said, people. This, this is a beginner's guide to how to do this, so. Yeah, but this is also much easier to remember. So, I mean, people mm -hmm. who want to get their feet wet doing this, because, I mean, if, once you get into the manual for Basic 9 for the graphics commands, and we'll be going through at our seminar, as, as Ken mentioned earlier in the show, that we'll be showing some of the extra stuff that's in EOU and Nitrous 9 that wasn't in the original Basic 9 manual and wasn't in the original list 9 at all. There's new graphics commands, there's stuff for doing menu handling, all kinds of things. Um, that th It's actually quite powerful. I mean, you can do windowing with it. You can do... Uh, different areas of the screen where, you know, scrolling is contained within the screen. All that stuff's built in. You've got, you can change for like the flood fill or a filled circle command or a filled box command or something like that. You can actually have it do patterns. You don't have to do just strict colors. You can tell it to do 
you know, crosshatch or diamonds or something like that and have it fill in. You can even create your own patterns. You can customize it for whatever game or program you want to do. So there's an overlay windows. And all, there's just all kinds of stuff. Uh, now, what Ken and I will be concentrating on at the show will be stuff that's undocumented because uh, I wanted people to know there's all this new stuff added to it. Even though it's been out for years, a lot of people don't even know, realize it's there. And uh, Ken, this particular series you're doing here, I think you're going to go through the stuff that both stock and then get into the extra stuff in, in later episodes too. So yeah. um, if any of you people want to maybe submit some questions for Ken or even myself on, you know, I want to try to do this in basic line, a certain, you know, graphical feature or, you know, a certain technique or something, and you want to find out how to do it, maybe send us an email or send us a message on discord and we can try to incorporate it into one of Ken's future videos, or maybe we'll start doing the live basic nine question and answer type sessions, demonstrating stuff that we've been kind of talking about doing it. Or some you can point. even, you can even comment it in the uh, videos that I've done. I do read the comments. Yep. So uh, I, I have had a qu couple of questions that I've answered in there on how to do things. So. And here's Ken learning about how the different contrasting colors work again. Yeah, I, I love my contrasting colors. <laughs> I'm just going to find your little house there. Ah, that's not what I want to do. Is that your house? I can't remember. Yeah, that's the house. Um, although you might be I made too far past it. Yeah, there we go. my pretty little house that I built. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, basically all the commands, if you're used to disk basic or extended color basic or super extended basic, basically all the commands that were there are present in basic nine in the GFX2 module. Um, some of the syntax is different. Some of the names are a little bit different. Uh, some of them have extra options. There's a few that have less options. The draw command isn't quite as extravagant as the one in, in basic. Um, though it's pretty close and there's other ways to do things. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of like relative commands. Like uh, one thing in, in regular basic is that you're giving it coordinates. So if you want to draw a box, you're telling it, you know, go from this XY coordinate in the upper left corner to the lower right coordinate, uh, XY coordinate there. Whereas on basic 09 and, and uh graphics too, you have options of either doing absolute, which is you, you're specifying specific coordinates to start and end at, or you can do relative where you can say, starting wherever your draw pointer currently is, I want a box that's 40 pixels wide by 40 pixels down. I don't want to figure out where the hell on the screen it is. And you have those options too. And I think you actually use the draw command to do that for the peak of your house here, because you just set a yeah. start point at the top peak of the house. And you just said, go draw relatively, go down diagonally to the left and then go down to the right, but it returns to the previous drop automatically. So you don't have to sit there and like redo it again. Yeah. So you can and, actually uh, you know, shrink your code. Also, then you don't also don't have to figure out angles or anything. If you, you just know, draw between these two points, boom, boom, goes back to the, where it started. You can draw the other side. Yeah. So in the seminar, we'll be covering the new stuff that's been added in. I'll be covering a bit more of the technical side of things. So I'll be doing like the high level menu handling stuff, which is a bit more complicated, but not as bad as it was before. Um, I will also be covering some of the things you have to worry about when you're multitasking. Because um, there's certain things you should probably should think about a little bit differently if you're, if you're actually writing something to run in a multitasking operating system. Um, one is to make it, you know, friendly to other programs. Like if you're pulling the keyboard constantly, um, you can suck a lot of CPU times so that it's constantly reading a PIAs if you pressed a key yet. And it slows down other programs on the system. Well, technically, do you really need to read the keyboard more than 60 times per second? Probably not. 
So you can do techniques like do a quick little sleep call in between each read check. You know, one sixty of a second, put the, the program to sleep. That means other programs on the system suddenly speed back up because basically the CPU time is free. And every sixty of a second, it comes back to your program and then does it. It actually tries to read the keyboard again, but it's not doing it in a constant hard-coded loop, slowing everything down. So we'll be going into you know, multitasking techniques like that, how get put buffers, because you're sharing them system-wide that you can have. And a lot of the old programs in the very first couple of years of Code 3 came out actually did do this. They hard code their get put buffers. And you go, that's cool. I'm going to run this game here. It's a little simulation game. It takes a little bit of time to go between turns. So while it's busy doing whatever its space trading game is doing, I'll go to another window and play Shanghai or something else at the same time. And it would use the exact same get put buffers, which it totally redraws everything. So you go back to your space trader game, and now all the shapes are totally screwed up because of the different sizes and different colors and different shapes and everything else. So there's little techniques that you wouldn't think of writing in disk basic because you're the only program running. What do I have to worry about? But there's little techniques like that I'll, I'll go through in the seminar too. Anyway, thanks for doing this series, Ken. And uh, hopefully we can get a, a live version of this going at some point. We'll try to announce it at least a couple of weeks ahead to give people time to come up with questions. Maybe they want to try a few things themselves. And then they hit a stumbling block and they can ask us live on the show. We can kind of go through it. Mm -hmm. That also includes you too, Ken. So if you had a stumbling block, you're trying to do something, you don't know how to do it. You can. Well, there's lots I don't know how to do. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, there's quite a bit. I don't know how to do either. Like how to get the new segment done in a nice small amount of time. I have no idea how to do that. Uh, Bruce kind of covered this already here, but for those that have not seen it, this is the uh, USB memory stick type thing that's actually in the form of a cassette. And you can see the USB thing just pops out of the bottom where the magnetic tape would normally be. And this is his Coco Forever, which has a multimedia radio show style presentation with a bunch of different episodes of an alternate history uh, if Tandy had won the microcomputer wars. Um, there's a lot of uh, people on Coco Talk and the rest of the Coco community that are guests on this uh, radio play. Uh, I can't remember how it was a 10, 11 episodes total originally. And there's multimedia stuff too. There's little basic programs you can run on the Cocoa itself or an emulator that draw graphics or do different things. And as he mentioned on the show when he was on earlier, there's some bonus content that's never been seen before on here. So I'm kind of curious what that involves too. So first presentation of seeing what all that is is going to be at the fest and then it should be available for order for anybody that wants to get it. Next up, we have Brad Hartz. Now, Brad Hartz was going to visit a college, I think, because of his daughter attending it or planning on attending or something like that. So he went to Taylor University, and they have a computer science and engineering department, and they actually have a Coco One on display along with a few other machines. I could with some manuals, <clears throat> the original box, the original RF modulator. Um, so that was kind of interesting. I haven't seen that in the university before. And they have like a Mac over here too and some other older stuff as well. So I don't know, uh, for those of you who are near Taylor University, maybe go check it out. Next up, we have Jerry Stratton, which we haven't featured on the show for a fair bit of time here. So he's got a blog that he does and he does a lot of cross uh, platform style tools. He's done an alternative to the Rainbow Check Plus that Rainbow published to be able to run and this time he's actually doing a pre-flight tool enhance. So he's done a pre-flight tool that was basically checking to make sure that, you know, variable names, like if you scan an OCR, a rainbow listing or a hot cocoa listing or something like that, sometimes it misreads characters and it'll try to figure out, you know, if, if something's been mistyped. And this is an extension to that. This one actually checks to see if line numbers 
if, like, if you ever go to, to a line number, but it misread the scan and it tries to go to a line number that doesn't exist, it'll actually report these errors for you and give you a nice list of here's all the line numbers that are trying to be referenced that don't exist uh, or maybe even vice versa, you know, a line number that's there, but there's nothing ever calling to it. And there's an end right before it so you can never get there tipping. So he's got this little script here and he kind of goes through it because he actually found this when he was trying to type in uh, Charles Susack's Quest of the Dragon's Gold. You can see the screenshot there from the August 1984 rainbow. And line numbers are all over the place. And between some pages there, he found some where it didn't seem to make sense. It was, you know, scanning as, as going to line numbers that don't exist. So he wrote this little additional to the utility here to go through and actually figure out and give you a list. And you can see a little sample here. I it's warning here. This then to a non-existent line, 350 and 250. So you can actually figure out where these bugs are and kind of figure out what, what went wrong. You can look at the original scan, just see if it was a bad scan, or maybe <clears throat> this did happen where Rainbow would publish programs that actually just didn't work and they'd have to publish a correction a couple months later. So this will narrow down where you have to look for them instead of trying to figure out why is this program not working correctly. So that's pretty cool. And you go download that utility right from his uh, site here too. So Next up, this was pretty interesting. Now, Fabian, I believe, is actually going to be at the Fest, if I remember correctly. And I think he's actually bringing this issue of Maxim PC, which is the current May 2022 one. And I guess they have a regular feature that is basically looking back at some retro computer that they do a couple pages on. And this month, they did the Tiracity Color Computer, the original Color Computer 1. I haven't read Maxim PC in years and years, so I had no idea they were doing this. So that's the cover of it. If you want to catch it, it might still be on the newsstands. And uh, here's just kind of a quick shot. Now, if he brings it down to the fest, I definitely want to take a look through it and just see how much they got right and how much they got wrong. <clears throat> and it's not just covering, you know, an old computer, what it did back then, but also covers, if you want to try running it nowadays, what emulators are able. And the, the guy actually goes through VCC, where to get it and set it up, et cetera. So I'm looking forward to seeing this if it can bring it down. If anybody else is coming to the fest and has this issue of Maximum PC Magazine, please bring it down as well. Because just in case, you know, he can't make it, I would love to still see the magazine. I don't know if we have maximum PC sold here where I am anymore. I'd have to probably try and find a bookstore that still sells a lot of the computer magazines. Has anybody else actually gotten this magazine and read the article? Or the, any review of it or what you thought of it? Nope. On to the next story. Then. Okay. Um, is her last name pronounced Mackie or Make? I'm not sure. Brenda? So please correct me if you hear this, Brenda, and let me know what the proper pronunciation is. But basically, she's uh, using Rhino 3D, which is a 3D design tool uh, for doing 3D printing. And she's working on a little box that'll screw in the bottom of the Cocoa 3 with a short cable to save in the cable screen. Now, this is our cable strain. This will come out of the RGB connector on the underside of a Cocoa 3. There's that little you know, gap around there. And basically, it's just, a you know, because if you're moving it around and taking it in, like if you're hauling it to a fest, for example, you're putting some strain when you're constantly unplugging and, and shifting stuff around here. So she wants this to be a, like a permanent mount, and then you just plug in this cable to come out that's just a cable and doesn't have to be stretched around. So she's uh, actually, I think, still doing some tweaking to it. It's kind of a work in progress as she continues to test it. And uh, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it to see when she's got it finalized, because it sounds like she'll just put it up for download on Thingiverse. I was hoping Terry Steggy would be able to pop on for this one here, but unfortunately he's, you know, busy off having grandkids and the like. Um, but uh, there's a video here, but kind of covering the Coco's cousin, the TDP 100. 
And the person actually has two of these. Now, these are obviously not the original keyboards. This is a Coco 2 keyboard. And this is a Coco 3 keyboard, which you can tell because it has the extra keys and the gray background, not the black that the deluxe Coco keyboard had. Um, but the original manuals, they have a Project Nebula cartridge in the TDP blue box, as well as the you know Coco one that he compared it to. So he kind of goes through a little bit of it, uh, the history of what he got his from, and a little bit of history between it and the Coco one, how the TDP was kind of a marriage between the Coco one and the Coco two. It has the F motherboard, the 285 board from the Coco one, the later Coco ones with 64K. But we had switched to the white plastic and kind of starting to get towards the Coco two, and the Coco two came out what about a half a year, a year later, I think, if I remember correctly. Rick, I don't know if you remember or not, because I don't <laughs> remember the exact dates. I know the Coco 2 got announced in late summer of 1983. And I think the TDP was out in late 82, if I remember. But, but Terry Steggy's our local resident TDP expert. So Terry, please correct me on everything I just said wrong. And maybe comment on his video because he's actually looking for some other people that have had TDPs because it's a bit of a rare beast. And uh, Terry's kind of our local expert. So Terry, if you see this, please go check out his video and maybe give him some comments because he's looking to kind of meet up with some people. I've also invited him to come watch a show and maybe we can have him on at some point too. Uh, he said he was not available this weekend, but he'll try to catch the live stream of the Cocoa Fest stuff next week. That's a good 20 minutes long, so. Next up, we have uh, Pedro Pena, known as Rocky Hill on YouTube. And this is only a two-minute video, so I'll play the whole thing. But it's uh, talking about uh, getting easy HDMI out for the color computer 1 and 2 with this little adaptive board he's made that plugs into the VDG socket. And it still needs the RGB to HDMI required type thing. Uh, well, I'll let him explain. And let me know how the volume is for this if I need to turn up. If you have a Coco and you want nice, clear, crisp HDMI out, you can use the RGB to HDMI solution right there. Hooking it up means uh, soldering a bunch of wires, not many, to the VD chip, the VDG chip, which is the MC6847 right there. Now I've made a little adapter board um, that will allow you to just plug it in straight away. And here it is. And so I wanna show how easy it is to install when your VDG is socketed, of course. So, make sure that's in view there. First, I'm going to pull the BDG. Okay. I'm going to place it in the adapter. Okay. And I will place the adapter board where the BDG was. If I can get my fat fingers in there. Now it is a bit of a tight fit, but it's okay. Okay. And you just plug in the six pin IDC connector. And then you should just have HDMI out when I power it on. And voila. Let's put it again. Let's put it in Megabook. Look at that. You can see the RGB to HDMI adapter does artifacting, you know, straight. It's fantastic. It looks very good, very crisp, very clean. If you have a... Anyway, <clears throat> that's a pretty, pretty cool project. Uh, 
the fact that you could just plug that little cable in, I think makes it a lot easier. If you have a socket to VG, you don't do all the soldering and you know extra stuff that would burn my hair off. So, um, <laughs> but I have to say that it did look really crisp and clean. I didn't see any, you know, art, you know, artifact, not artifact colors, but the actual artifacting you get some kind of the wavy patterns and stuff like that it looks really crisp and clean. So it's a pretty good option for your couple one and two. And or Dragon 2, possibly. Yeah, correct. Hi, welcome back, David. I know you had to step away for a bit. I will mention Brian Walsh in the chat just said, too, I just got one of these from Pedro, and they are great. So there's a, a plus from somebody who actually has one. And uh, Mikey's apparently having a freezing picnic on the Atlantic Ocean shore. I would personally just eat inside at that point. But anyway. Now, this next episode, our next uh, article here is a blog post by Joel Reese. Now, he currently, I believe, lives in Japan, and uh, he speaks Japanese and he speaks English. Now, for those of you who know the history of the 6309, we first found out about it several years after a magazine called OFM, which is meant for the Fujitsu FM series of computers, FM7, the 77, which are all 6809. OS9 based computers, and some of them had multiple 6809s. So one drew the graphics and one did the main operating system, et cetera. There's a whole series of machines um, that came out that were using these. And OFM Magazine is the first place that the hidden features of the 6809 chip were actually discovered. Now, we had a very rough translation on the Usenet group back in 1992, early 92, which is when Kevin Darling did some tests to make sure that worked as advertised, and it did. And that's where PowerBoost, Nitrous 9, all this stuff came from was from that one post. But nobody has taken the time to completely translate the original articles in OFM magazine itself, which is from the April 1988 issue where it first showed up. We didn't find out about it for four years after that. So what Joel's going to be doing is he's going to be translating it himself using himself as the translator. Like he does, he's just started the project. He's only doing it as he has time. So he's only got the first two paragraphs properly translated over. But the, uh, he's got the Google translation of the rest of the article, of the main head of the article, not the actual technical details that listing the instruction set, because we already know all that stuff now. But he's going to gradually do it so it's more human. Because, I mean, Google Translate, you can get the gist of things, but it's not perfect. You'll get some weird you know, things mentioned in there. Certain words don't translate properly. But Joel will actually do this properly. So he's actually going through it and, and giving us, and this actually contains a bit of the history of how this whole thing was discovered and how they started figuring things out back in 88. And there's some stuff in there I've never heard before. So some of this history of the 6309 discovery is actually new even to me. And I've been working with this chip since 92, pretty constantly. So I won't go through the whole thing here. He's got his first two paragraphs here. And like I said, it's an ongoing thing. And here's the Google Translate of the rest of it, which is, I don't know what you call it, not quite English. <laughs> So I won't go through the whole thing here. It's a, it's a good read, though, if you want to get the history of it type thing. But I thought I'd bring up a couple of different points, or actually a bit more than a couple, probably half a dozen, of things that I did not know before that might be new to some English speakers here uh, for the history of 6.9. So first of all, I have a catalog that Hitachi put out. It's about 800 pages of all the chips they made from 1985. And they list the 6.9 as a coming out in the future type thing. So I never did know when did this chip actually get released. Well, they do mention that in here because... It was August of 1985. That's when Hitachi officially started the 6309, which is actually a little earlier than I thought. Um, the chip was used by multiple people to overclocked FM7, 77s, FM11s, FM77AVs, and a whole bunch of other FM series that did this. The chip itself was rated 3 megahertz. We know that from the 63C09. That's what the Gimme X uses too, because it requires a 3 megahertz mode. 
And apparently quite a few of the people there would swap those in. Sometimes they'd swap it in as the main CPU. Sometimes they'd swap it in as the graphics coprocessor in charge. They'd speed up the graphics system because a lot of the other hardware couldn't run that fast, say PIAs, et cetera. Um, but apparently quite a few of them actually doubled the original two megahertz clock speed and actually were running these at four megahertz without trouble. They didn't hit a single chip from I can tell from the original discussions on the Usenet post that did not run at four and some of them would actually run up to five. So it looks like this would reliably run at four megahertz as long as your supporting hardware can handle that. Um, and then they got the history of like, what, how did they figure out that this had extra instructions? And this is something I've always wondered. I figured out some of the extra indexing modes, but I already knew the 639 had a bunch of extra stuff, so I knew to look. So how did they discover it? And the history of that is included in this article too, which has not been published before. So apparently there was a word processor in Japan called WPV3. And it stopped working when, the, when you put a 639, it would just crash. So they tried to start figuring out. First of all, they thought like the people that found this were trying to run it at three megahertz or four megahertz. They thought, well, maybe it's a timing thing. Maybe it's trying to read a hardware like a keyboard or write to the screen or something that's running too fast. So they clocked it back down to two megahertz, which is what the native 6809 had done. No difference, crashed exactly the same way. So then they go, well, maybe there's something different on the chip. Because they do know that, you know, sometimes when you get a new version of a chip, there's certain illegal instructions that do weird things or undocumented instructions. The 6809 has a few of those too. There's alternate ways to do like branches with different opcodes. So basically they thought, well, we'll try to figure out exactly what's causing the crash. And they narrowed it down to a transfer instruction. And a transfer instruction, basically what it does is it will transfer the contents of one register to another one way. And you do something like a transfer X to D because you need to do some math on a X register. And there's not all the math features on the X register itself in the six and instruction set. So, okay. So what they did is they tried to narrow it down to this transfer instruction. And what the transfer instruction was doing was using an undocumented feature of the 6809. If you specify there's, there's four, bit, four bits per register in the instruction post byte. So each four bits gives you 16 possible combinations of what register the source is and what the register destination is. So well, like a 0, 0, 0, 0 might be the condition code register and a 0, 0, 1 might be the A register. So you do the one and then the zero you transfer from A to CC or whatever they happen to be. But there's not 16 registers on a 609. So the undocumented feature of the 6809 is if you pick a register that doesn't exist, like a, a bit combination that specified register doesn't exist, whatever you're transferring to will be filled with FFs. So this word processor was using as a shortcut to load a register with FFs without having to actually do an actual load itself. It's a smaller instruction for a 16-bit register. So that was the way they optimized their code. This was putting in some other random value and they couldn't figure out you know, what, what this was. So they said, well, let's experiment a bit. Let's take that bit combination. We'll make it the destination. Because if it's just random garbage that the chip happens to do differently, if you try to transfer from a legitimate register, say the D register, let's say you loaded that with a thousand and you transfer it to this unknown thing. If it was just garbage, if you tried to transfer that value back afterwards, it would be, always become up the exact same as it always does. It would ignore your original transfer to it. So they did that. Now, when they transferred this different value over, say the thousand, it actually would transfer back and it came back as a thousand, which means it was retaining the value. So this is a legitimate new register that didn't exist on the 6809. It wasn't garbage. It wasn't some random thing that was being placed on or a fixed value that was being placed on. And that's what started the whole thing. So after that was discovered, they went, we know there's new registers. There's got to be commands that access this register. So then they started going through the entire opcode list of everything that was unspecified in 6809 design. 
They actually formed a bit of a committee that went through this all. They had BBSs set up for it to, you know, everybody was relaying back and forth what they discovered. And they spent the next you know, month or two going through every single unknown opcode and they figured out the entire instruction set. And then they started figuring out how native mode worked, you know, where you can kick in the CPU. They figured out there's an illegal instruction trap. They figured out there's a 32-bit register and a 32-bit divide and 16 by 16 sign multiply, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they figured all this stuff out and they published it on this BBS. And then OFM magazine got wind of it and said, this is really cool. We should tell our readers about it. So they actually got permission to take that article as they went through and you know figured out all these extra things and actually published it in the magazine itself. So that's how that actually came around. And then eventually that was translated to English four years later in 1992. I don't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he posted it in the uh, 609 group on listserv. You think it was Hirochu Kago? I don't know. Can anyone read this? <laughs> <laughs> I printed this out way back then. And it's yeah, the yeah. whole... The whole email is like 20 pages of the six hidden features of the 6309. Yeah, that's the one Kevin Darling used. He tested it with the TFM instruction and did a memory dump before and after. Yes, it works. I, I remember that vividly. That was that was awesome. So I'm, I'm waiting for Joel to finish translating the rest of it from Google English to regular English. But even in its current state, there's a lot of cool stuff in there that, uh, like I said, I've not heard of before. We just got the technical details in that coast post on Usenet of basically here's the instructions that are new and the new registers, nothing else with a little bit of the history of it, but not some of the details that were revealed here. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, seeing the rest of this uh, fixed up in, in, in proper English, but cool bit of history here. And then the last story I've got here, this is a dragon one. So this year is the anniversary, the 40th anniversary of a ton of computers in the UK. Um, I mean, the C64 was released. The Spectrum was released. The Dragon 32 is released. So there's a ton of videos going up here covering the 40th anniversary of those computers. We've mentioned on the news before that some of the mu computer museums are doing special things for the 40th anniversary of those machines because there was a, a ton of them coming out this year, 40 year, or this uh, 40 years ago. And this one here is a 23-minute uh, discussion on the Dragon 32. Um, there's a few things he kind of speculated on that I don't quite agree with, and I'm sure Six and a few others might be able to, you know, chime in on that as well. But it is pretty good, and it goes through a bit of the history and, you know, why did it not fully succeed? And uh, I think there's a lot of truth in it. I, I, it did succeed a little bit better at the beginning than I think he's letting on, though. Uh, about half a year ago, I discovered there was a, uh, a reprint in the Register online news site of a 1982 sales figures in the UK of all the different machines, the top 20 basically. And the Dragon 32 at the beginning of 1983, which is a you know few months in after it started getting sold, I think it started selling in August of 82, if I remember correctly. But basically it was in second place out of every single 8-bit machine on the market. And by the end of the year, I think it was down to ninth or 10th, but it stayed in the top 10 the entire year against the BBC Micro and the Spectrum and, and some other machines. So it was not what I'd call a poor seller. And judging by the, uh, Serial numbers I've seen, there was at least 400,000 Dragon 32 sold, and they were only sold for a few years, so that's not too bad for that small of a market. So, but he goes through a little bit of the Dragon 32. Of course, the Dragon 64 came out, I think, the next year, so that it's not its fourth anniversary quite yet. And he's got, you know, some boxes with the original boxing for it, the original joysticks, etc., too, and he goes through some of the bundles that came with it, etc. And, uh, it does a bit, a bit of a brief uh, demo of the actual thing running, which I think he's running 
the Cyrus chess package. Yeah, there is, which is actually one that was sold here by Radio Shack for the cocoa as well. It goes into a comparison of the cocoa and the dragon as well, too. Um, and he actually had one of these himself when he was young, and he, he liked it because it had one of the best keyboards. And that I will totally agree with. It's the same keyboard the Mark Data Products Super Pro upgrade keyboard for the Cocoa One had. And it is one of the better keyboards, especially if you tried typing on a Spectrum. It's not the best keyboard. It's, it's, it's better than the ZX81 or the ZX80 was, obviously, or Atari 400, but it wasn't great. And, and to be honest, the Dragon 32 keyboard was far better than the Cocoa's was at that time. And it, it actually is better than the Cocoa 3's even. Coco three came closer. It's it's not bad, but uh, it was it was it it fell in that place where it was good at games, not great, and it was really good for programming and learning, not the best. Like the BBC Micro had a really awesome basic, um, which is closer to Basic Nine actually than a regular basic. So it kind of fit in the middle between these things. Like usually you had you know stuff like the Ataris or the C sixty fours were like these are game machines basically. And then you had some of the hardcore, you know, computer geek style ones like the BBC Micro and the Dragon kind of straddled the line, as did the Coco. So good, good bit of history here. I'm expecting a few more of these videos to show up as uh, as the year goes on, uh, just because it is a 40th anniversary. So I'm expecting there'll be quite a few people that have maybe never used the Dragon before be doing long form videos on the history. So I look forward to seeing those, and I'll keep trying to find those for you guys to see. And that is it for the news for today, this week. Did we uh, let oh. Mark fall asleep again? Wake up, Mark. I mean, Wake up. <laughs> Mark. Yeah, Time for school. Uh, do I have to? <laughs> McFly, is anybody home? Got a comment from Sixty in the chat. He says, I remember playing with undocumented transfer as a kid. Yeah. Trouble nowadays. The funny thing is the 6809 and the 609 both have still have register combinations that aren't used. There's some extra registers in 609, but not all 16 are used up. But the behavior when you use an undocumented one is different. So the 6809 will use FFs. It'll fill whatever you're transferring to. On the 609, it's zeros, which we do use in Nitrous 9 um, as a quick way to you know, clear out a register without clearing condition code bits like the zero flag. And you don't have to preload something else. So it's it's handy. Um, but you could do some optimizations with a, you know, an assembler that can you know, have equates and stuff to like assemble this code. If you have this type of CPU, assemble this code if you don't. And you could actually use the advantage of the FF preload or the 00 preload between, depending on the CPU to your advantage and whatever you're doing. And now you guys can all complain that I don't do the news as well as Mark. So Mark, you want the job from the future from now on? Or? You're muted, Mark. <laughs> That's why Mark does it better. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, the uh, backup news person? Yeah, I guess I'll get that in the future. So, no, I meant the main news person here. So I don't. Oh, the main news person. Go horse all the time. What about the. Oh, I see. Trade off. Well, yeah, we could do that too. What about the Mark muted news? Yeah. Bring Mark in for third down. There Sorry. You go. My, my wife was talking to me. So, you know, distracted. No. Anyway, no, if you need me, I mean, I guess I didn't do too bad. So, you know, I could do that more regularly. No, I, I'm just kidding. I can, I can keep doing it. But I, there will be times, especially as work starts to pick up to pre-pandemic levels yep. again, that I will not be able to make it. So you did a good keep job, so I wouldn't mind. And I'll keep still try to find all the news articles for you so you don't have to spend the, like, a week researching okay. all that. 
Yeah, I don't hit uh, Facebook that much just because they're just wow, too much. I have too many. Well, because it's Facebook. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, thank you for sorting those out. And for those okay. new to the show, if you join our Discord, of course, we've got the uh, news links and little descriptions of all the different stories that I've been reading from here. It's posted every week after the show, or just before the show, actually. Those news links are there now for this week. Yep. I got a couple of things to show. <clears throat> cool. Go ahead, Ron. Can I share? Yeah. Okay. All right, I found this uh, book. And, uh, this is the book. Kids to Kids on the Color Computer. Oh, I've got a copy of that. Here you go. I wondered yeah. if anybody else has seen it. It's pretty interesting. I don't think I've seen it. I think I've... I've... I knew it existed, but I don't think I've seen them before. It has some uh, neat artwork. I'll go see if I can find my copy. There's a color computer there on the left, a TV, another color computer one, a little foreshortened. But um, yeah, what, what year did this one come out? I'm assuming like 82, 81, maybe three, somewhere there. I don't know. Why does it say 1944 down there? No copyright. Cool. Here, 83. 83. Okay, so that's um, the, the tail end of the Coco One's life. Yeah, the author was born in 1944. Oh, oh, oh. Anyway, this is the back end of it. And um, you get a chance to take a look at it. It's pretty neat. So is that like, like an educational manual to learn basic or is it a bunch of sample programs to do other things? Like what is it? Yeah, sample kids, stuff to go through and, and have kids play on the machine, you know. Might um, want to move your mic a bit there, I'm getting a lot of your breathing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's nice to know you're still alive and breathing and, and all yeah. that's... It was 1983, according to the URL from uh, archive.org there. Data most, 1983. Yeah, that's what it said on the page, too. So. All right. And uh, on the thing called uh, Radio Shack Color Computer in the Experimental Psychology, Psychology Laboratory and Evaluation. I didn't really read it, but I thought it might be interesting to somebody. Uh, sounds like you're still outdoors. Yeah, your mic twisted sideways, maybe, so the right. noise canceling isn't canceling. Well, I, I think he's got a fan blowing on him. Oh, that could be it. Yep. <laughs> That's what it is. Ah, okay. I'm in the yeah. garage well, and it's 89 outside. Ah, uh, well, stop. Keep it, yeah. Yep. Keeping cool okay. is important, though. Yeah. So check that out. It's on my uh, page, you know. And I wish I could find out where the heck I left off here. Oh, it must be here. Okay, and then um, I found something on the here. As you can see, my computer is advanced and fast. 
<laughs> but this talks about uh, the Rainbow Magazine. And was this be... the one Alan Huffman did a few years back? Hmm. Uh, is he the? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, that's yeah. We All covered right. it way back. I, wasn't when first did. I was not even aware of it. Well, for any new viewers that weren't, you know, following us, you know, four years ago and haven't watched all the back episodes, why haven't you? Then uh, yeah, this would be nice for them to. Because you know how many hours that is. So what's well, this I... one about, Ron? Are you muted, Brian? Ron? I think Brian Joyce figured out with the first 199 episodes, we had like 639 hours. Ron has muted himself. Oh, okay. That's what's going on. Ron, you have to unmute. Zoom hates you now. It's a Zoom, it's a Zoom mute. Uh, I mean, from looking at it, it's another older article from 2016, but it's... Uh, Talking about Sierra, I guess when they were producing, I didn't get a chance to see the article for this period there. Yeah, it's on my uh, Ron's garage. You can check it out. So, what, what is it? Is it basically just a history of when Sierra was writing yeah. software for the Coco? Or yeah, evidently um, it was short lived, but they did a good job. You know. Well, of course, they have the famous you know Coco Three games. You know the system that where they did Your Suit Larry and King's Quest Three, but they also did previously some of the educational stuff like Donald Duck's Playground and Mickey's Space Adventures and some of that ones. So they actually did publish stuff for the Coco One, Two, and the Three over the course of probably a good three or four years at least. If you um, have nothing to do sometime, just uh, type in Candy Color Computer in Google and start looking way back in the back and you'll see articles that come up and interesting things you, you either didn't know or um other people missed the first about. time around yeah <laughs> yeah evidently because i've been around a while you know since the beginning and some of the stuff you you know and some is surprising like all this stuff about the 6309 um i don't i don't think in 85 86 i knew about the 6309 at all I didn't either. I didn't find out about it until 92. Yeah. When the original post happened for in English. I do that too, actually. Like occasionally I'll just search for news stories. Normally I have a few central places. I look like YouTube and Facebook and Discord, et cetera. Um, but every once in a while I'll just do a search like over the last week, you know, what, what where's the tier city color computer been mentioned? Unfortunately, there's so many bots that just duplicate other people's pages. So it shows up a lot of stuff that's just you know, the same page at 15 different places in Russia or something stupid. So it's it's not too easy to find stuff. So I'm glad you're taking the time to dig through and finding some of these old yeah. articles. Some uh, of them I've seen before. Some of them I've never seen before either. So, Well, um, this has nothing to do with uh, our show or anything, but uh, I'm going to watch the eclipse with my telescopes. And uh, I usually rebroadcast pictures to... Um, um, Italy uh, to a friend over there that has a telescope and he rebroadcasts it to Europe because they generally can't see it sometimes. And uh, NASA TV has um, agreed to rebroadcast the broadcast. <laughs> so um, uh, some of my pictures for, from the uh, 
You're going to be famous. Coming. Yeah, well, a little bit. <laughs> so that'll be cool to see. So you're this close to going up on a SpaceX flight then, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's on the 15th, 16th. We'll have Ron live on the International Space Station receiving a WeFax. Next full moon. <laughs> When everybody goes nuts. <laughs> yeah, Alan Murphy says that uh, Ron Space Garage <laughs> hanging off the ISS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I bet Taylor Navy would like to see that too, since they're quite involved with like rocketry, et cetera. So yeah. Maybe if they get enough license to make a really big spaceship, they can help launch you up. I don't know. You never know. Fly a banner off the back of the ISS. You're good. Pretty soon the Russians are going to detach from the ISS because of what's going on. Yeah. And China started their own space station too. So Yeah. So when they do that, it'll probably start flipping. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, this is completely off topic for COVID talk, but I, I don't think it's going to be that bad of an influence because i mean one of the reasons they did it was they were trying to do it as a kind of a slap saying well nobody could get onto off the space station now because we're not going to be doing flights anymore but spacex has kind of picked it up so yeah and they they just brought back four astronauts so i don't think that's as big of a problem as, as the russians are going to be you're right mm-hmm. so. hey enough political talk yeah really <laughs> all right uh that was everything that was on my list Anything else going on? Anybody else got anything they want to add or talk about before we uh, close the show one week before the fest where we get to see some of each other live for the first time? Well, first time in months for the people in the States that made it to the last fest, but a couple of years for us connects. And watch out. David Ladd's a hugger. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> as, long as, as long as he's not a hugger in a Speedo because nobody wants that. But uh, I, I'm going to the pool now. Ooh. Would you care to join me? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we better run the outro. Yeah, push the button, yeah. Frank. This concludes another episode of Cobra Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer, MC10, and Dragon systems. For all things Cocoa Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weaver, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Lang, Eric Canales, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Reichert, Jim Brain, Ken Reichert, Ken Waters, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Ulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. 
Please help support the Cocoa community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The original Cocoa Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Cocoa Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! And we're back. Any uh, any last thoughts? Cocoa Just fest. I hope to see as many people as possible at the fest in one week. Okay. This is going to be running for a couple more days yet. The show you mean? No. My, my printer. Cases. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Best be square. Coco Fest, one week, Chicago. Be there. What are you making? Or else. Cases for the network card thing. So. See in the bottom left corner is the network cards, and there's a case form up on the 3D printer. And there's the Elmer's glue stick. <laughs> oh yeah, don't never underestimate the power of the purple glue stick. Absolutely, it's good stuff. All the 3D people swear by them. Makes nice shiny cases. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, yeah, I have to remember, remember. Uh, the olden case. The old and cheap uh, tower cases from the 90s? Because I sure do. Yeah. <laughs> you have the battle wounds to prove it. Yeah. I thought that was soldering wounds. That's what I get, too. So. I remember, everybody bring too. David Ladd Diet Dr. Pepper to Cocoa Fest. Oh, Lord. I, yeah. I won't be. I'll be bringing some special stuff he requested, though. Ooh. Ooh. It's a little to, baggy. Uh, we need to hijack the Dr. Pepper truck. I think mean, mm. we, I mean, we need so much Dr. See how much Dr. Pepper will fit in David Ladd's car. Maybe that, that should be a thing. <laughs> Freeze dried Dr. That's Pepper. where we need Richard back because he was already experimenting with that, wasn't he? I think that was just Grant spilling that was root, uh, beer. root beer all over his <laughs> truck. <laughs> so. I wonder if he got ants from that. Uh, or uncles. Uncles. Well, see everybody next week at Cocoa Fest. That's how I look at it. Okay. Yep. Yep. See you all there. All either, right. either we'll see you in real life if you're attending the fest itself, or we'll see you on the stream and hopefully pick up some chats with you guys on the during the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Yeah, usually Santa cruises around with a camera. So no couches on the road. All right. <laughs> Safe travel. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.